Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. What's good, baby? It's Damian Barling, one half of D-Lo and KC. And thank you so much for downloading the podcast here. We really appreciate it. And hopefully you're a subscriber of the podcast. That way you get every single episode, every single day, every single interview, every single clip, every single bit of King's News delivered right here to your mobile device. It doesn't matter if you're subscribing through Apple, Spotify, Google Play. It doesn't matter if you're subscribing through Stitcher or the Odyssey app. You'll get every single episode delivered right here to your mobile device. And if you're using one of the platforms that allow you to rate and review the show, please do, particularly on Apple Podcasts, as I know that's where most of you are listening from. If you could hit the five-star review, if you think we're worth it, it only takes a split second. And if you could leave a review, that would be great as well. The review's cool. Again, it only takes a couple of seconds to do that, but it literally takes just a split second to hit that five-star button, man. We really appreciate you for being here with us. Enjoy the show. Yes, indeed. Y'all know what it is. Come on, man. What's good? What's good? What's good? Welcome in here to the Tuesday, February 6th edition of Dealing with KC. I'm Damian Borling. The ultimate needle mover in God mode himself. No, Kenny Caraway. Acknowledge me. That's what I want everybody to do. We all got a quick assignment, including Kyle, Jesse, everybody listening, everybody uh, who who is uh, in the chatty house on YouTube or or Twitch or uh, if you're listening on ESPN 1320 or the Odyssey app? Everybody's got an assignment right now. You're gonna go to Twitter real quick. You're gonna hit at AM, IMK Diddy and just send a bunch of hearts. That's it. Might sound weird. Just do it. That's all we need to know. Go to at IMK. Just send a bunch of hearts. Just send Kenny a bunch of hearts. One. I want to remind him of the power of the chatty house. That's what we need to do. And the crew over here who's rocking with D-Lo and KC. Uh, but just let uh, our mans know that we're uh, we're missing him here on 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 the show uh, from 12 to 4 and, of course, the one at 3 to 7. So just open up Twitter real quick. Yeah, I, I, and I promise, KC's just fine. 
Talked to him an hour ago. He's just fine. Just having some fun with our boy right now. Just send him some hearts on Twitter. That's it. That's all you got to do. That's the assignment. Uh, And hopefully KC will be back with us here uh, as the week progresses. Um, But, you know, when our man's ready, he'll be here for sure. Uh, But I promise you, this this isn't weird. KC's good. He's 100% good. And as I said, I talked to him just a little bit ago. Uh, Kings fall last night. I watched that game back again this morning. I don't have a, like, it's kind of, we kind of felt like we kind of laid the groundwork for this one yesterday where it was like, ah, really don't love this game for the Kings. Uh, I don't love this game for a variety of different reasons. It's the end of a road trip. Cleveland is white hot. And more importantly, even more, more than all of that, it was, I, Cleveland's a good basketball team. Cleveland's a really, really good basketball team. They're a really good basketball team right now. They were a really good basketball team last year, right? But the Kings have beat them three straight times. And that always leads, when you beat a really good team, just, and and look, remember one of them last year was that 18-0 run at the end of the game. Uh, The other one, no one really quite knew what Sacramento was. So that win against Cleveland was pretty big. Uh, And the fact that they got him again, they held Donovan Mitchell uh, to, I think, 22 points that first time around. They made him work uh, to get that 22. Last night, it felt like Donovan got 29 easy. Just chilling. Give me 29. It ain't nothing. Had a four-point play. I think it was in the first or second quarter. Like, he was was ready. And as good as Keegan was against him uh, earlier this season, that there was nothing they could do with Donovan in this run. And that's... That's because he's, he's a great ball player. It's an all-star. It's an all-NBA guy. That's a potential MVP candidate right there in Donovan Mitchell. But overall, like, I really just – I didn't hate the way that the Kings played. They had a couple of stretches where just some bad basketball got them in a tough spot. Simple as that. Uh, and then, of course, you know, you know, things kind of ran away from them a little bit for a stretch there in the fourth quarter and really turned that game into something that I really didn't think it was. Um, and the Kings would get within. There's a play. There's one particular play we're going to talk about. I'm guessing many of you could probably figure out what it is. It's It, it pissed me off because I feel like it's getting to be too common. It's starting to happen a little too frequently. And... In my opinion, I think this play was the turning point in the game. We'll get to that. Uh, shout out to Harrison Barnes. Harrison Barnes led the team in, in, in scoring, which might be kind of problematic. I mean, it's a great note, but when you lead the team with 22, that's probably a tough look because if you're leading the team in scoring with 22, that means De'Aaron Fox had less than 22. And I think those games are are tough. When you're leading the league, when you're leading the team in scoring and you got 39, all right. That's a different story. When you're leading the team scoring and you got 32, all right, that's different. But I think Harrison, I again, I'm not trying to like sugarcoat this or oh, it's okay, it's no big deal. Look, you want the Kings to win every game. Like, I get that. I do have concerns about their upcoming schedules. Matter of fact, I got some concerns about the game tomorrow uh, that we'll talk about as 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 well. Tomorrow is a weird. Tomorrow could be a, a weird day, and it's oddly quiet in in the NBA and you're hearing you're hearing um 
asking prices and all of these different things for all of these different players. And in the end, I think when you hear that stuff, a lot of that stuff just comes and goes. The biggest trades that are going to be made this season are already made, right? Like the the Pascal Siakam deal is done. There's not going to be a bigger trade than that. The OG and Anobi deal is done. There's not going to be a bigger trade than that. Like those, those are the top two deals in in the in the league right there. I'm certain. And whatever happens over the course of the next you know 48 hours or so, it's 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 a it's a it's a, a little it's a little frosting on top for a particular team, whether it's Sacramento or it's the Clippers, the Nuggets, the Celtics, the Bucks, whoever. Hell, every time I open up hoop type, I'm reading about how Detroit's going to do something. All right, hey. Salute Detroit. Do do you? They got money to spend, so they're probably thinking, well, we've got to spend it. Why not try to build a basketball team here and get something going? All right. Good luck with that. But I do have concerns about tomorrow's game uh, that we'll get into. Uh, it feels like the Kings, it, it, again, trying to trying to pull some positives uh, from last night's game. You know, they hung around. They hung around with a, a, a Cleveland team that came out and I think pretty played pretty well. The, the start of the game was like frantic. The start of the game was really weird. Like the first four minutes, they were just getting up and down the floor. And that was the clearest indication. In it. And I think, and obviously this is in hindsight, watching that first quarterback again this morning, that was the clearest indication. Oh, we're, <laughs> the refs is kicking it today. Refs, they ain't worried about nothing. They let it, there was a play with De'Aaron under the basket. It was like the, fifth play of the game it's like that's that's legal today huh all right cool cool then they had one on the other end there was a, a sequence where it went De'Aaron at the rim Donovan Dunk De'Aaron at the rim and and then like Max Struess at the basket or something like that it's like yo what the hell is going on that of course is after Kevin Herter starts the game with like a 28 foot three it's like all right this game is being played at a pace like there's 60 seconds left like hey chill and then once the game settled in, I was like, oh, Kings are playing well. Keegan's hit a couple of shots, HB. And then they hit their first lull. It's like, all right. Cleveland's defense stepped up. We're getting back up and down the floor. It never really got out of hand. It was a point in the, four, the, the third quarter where I thought, hey, the, 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 the Kings are right there within striking distance. I think it was a 10-point game. They got a turnover. Weren't able to, to, to cut the lead there. And then, then I think the lead ballooned from 10 I think it was to like 14 or 15 right after that, and that was after a missed opportunity to cut the lead to seven or eight. That's where I started to feel like a certain way. That wasn't the play that upset me, though. We're going to talk about that. I promise we'll get to it in just a minute. But the final game, and you hear, I, I believe this is all this is all just NBA stuff, like NBA talking points. Oh, that last game of a of a long road trip can be difficult. All right, cool, because y'all always tell us the first game back from a road trip is difficult. Why don't y'all just end that nonsense and say the basketball schedule is difficult? And I think there is something to, you know, because you can even you can you can make excuses for games in the middle of a road trip, right? You can make an excuse for the the, the Miami game. Miami desperate to you know, to end the seven-game losing streak. Meanwhile, Sacramento's winning a couple of games, and they're right smack dab in the middle of a seven-game road trip. They're just bouncing from city to city to city, hotel to hotel, hotel. Urgency is different. Vibes are different. The feel of the game is different. But by the time you add up all of these different games, yo, it's like, that's that's like 80 of the 82 games. 
that we have some sort of built-in excuse for, for how difficult it is, how hard it is to focus. And I guarantee you the Kings come out slow if the Kings come out slow tomorrow night. That's what you're going to hear. Oh, that first came back from a road trip. It's like they have, it's like they have like talking points in front of them. Where are we? It's the last game of a road trip. All right, let's make sure we let's make sure we check that box. It's the first game back from a long road trip at home. Well, let's make sure we check that box. The one I'm worried more about tomorrow, it has nothing to do with a road trip or being at home or any of that. It's the game before the trade deadline. And what happens between now and then could tell part of a story. If nothing happens between now and then, that could tell a different part of the story. Kings make a deal, they're shorthanded tomorrow. Because whatever deal that they make, it isn't going to be done quick enough for whoever they acquire to get here. If the Kings don't make a deal, but there's rumblings out there, yo, that could affect that could affect the way the team's playing. Now, to their credit, if there have been rumblings out there about trades in this team, it doesn't seem to have affected anybody. Kevin Herter, for the most part, has been playing really well as of late. Obviously, Harrison Barnes been playing at an entirely different level as of late. Davion Mitchell's been, in, getting, been getting pretty consistent run, maybe not, necess- not necessarily as much last night as he has been recently, but he's been getting consistent second unit run. I think, I think Davion's been fine. And those are, guy, those are the guys who have been, whether realistic or otherwise, attached to different trade conversations. So maybe that, maybe that's a been unwarranted. Maybe that fear, maybe that thought, that's a been unwarranted headed into tomorrow, to tomorrow. But I still believe for those guys, it's got to be tough. They got they, they know at any point over the next 48 hours, that phone could ring like, hey, you're moving to Detroit. Hey, you're moving to Toronto. Hey, you're moving to L.A. You're, you're moving anywhere. You're leaving Sacramento. That's tough. That's tough, and I do feel for these guys a little bit. All of them, NBA players in general. I sympathize for them in this moment. It's tough. But there's a game to be played, right? They've got one to play tomorrow. And don't look past Detroit yet. I know the rest of the schedule is tough with Denver and, 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 and Oklahoma City and Phoenix and all of that all leading to the trade deadline. I got that. I got that. Don't look past Detroit tomorrow, though. So we'll talk more about that. Uh, we will talk more uh, about the game and then the play I've already seen it here in the chat. I think it frustrated a lot of you as well. Uh, the play last night that frustrated the hell out of me that I think the Sacramento Kings desperately, desperately, desperately need to fix and why I think it was the turning point in the game. So we've got all that coming up. Trista Crick live from Las Vegas, I think, at the top of the 2 o'clock hour. Uh, Jason Jones will join us the final hour of the show with Steelers and KC. Brought to you by Sky River Casino here on Sacramento Sports Leader, ESPN 1320. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Not the follow-up I wanted from Cody Rhodes last night on Raw. Yeah, it was, it was a lot of nothing. Well, it, 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 it did a couple of things. The, the, the crowd spoke for him a couple of times with the We Want Cody stuff and then the, uh, the Rocky Sucks chant. Like, so the, you know, the, the, the crowd was behind him. Did you hear Michael Cole say, wait, is it 1996 again? So I'm Michael, glad they're leading into that stuff now. Michael Cole said a couple of things. He, he, he said that, the 1996 thing. He also said that, that Rock and Roman is an official and that Cody hasn't chosen his opponent yet. He went through this whole you know moment with Seth Rollins, and then, of course, you had the moment at the end of the show with Drew McIntyre where he, again, didn't didn't name his opponent. So there's no show before the press conference, and for some reason, the press conference for WrestleMania in Philadelphia is Thursday in Las Vegas. I guess they're capitalizing on all of the media being in Las Vegas, which is a brilliant idea, um, but I don't know what they're going to have figured out between now and then. Like, what do you, you, what do you even do for the press? Like, I don't know. I don't know what they're doing. I have no idea. But we're sixty something days before WrestleMania. I'm, I'm just here for the story. They better fix. Tell it, me the story. That's, a, that's all I want to see. Tell me. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk much more. Uh, I don't want to say much more. We'll talk more WWE for sure when uh, our man uh, Jason Jones joins us uh, later on in the show. No one's going to be surprised by this. I said there was a play uh, earlier for... I said there was a play earlier that really, really frustrated me. And I already saw it pop up in the chat a few times, so I'm guessing it frustrated some of you as well. And I feel like it's indicative of something the Kings have done a lot this season. Um Unlike plays in the past, I feel like this one was a turning point for the Kings last night in the game, and that was that was the Max Struess steal. That was the DeMontis Sabonis rebound under the basket. Max Struess stripped it away. Domas immediately turns to argue with the official. Ball in play. Struess going to the three-point line. I guess I understand why 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 Domas doesn't follow him out. I mean, I feel like he could have sold it a little bit and tried to split the difference, but instead he just turns to the official and starts complaining. And Struess hits the three, and it's like, all right, that was the end of the game to me. That was that was the end of the game. I don't even think Domas was fouled on that play, to be honest with you. And that's where Domas is really starting to get on my nerves a little bit. Because he does... This is tough, man. Because that's, that's, that's our guy. And we know how physical he is. And we know how lopsided 
uh, officiating can be in this league, and we know how lopsided it can be against Sacramento. But I don't think Domas was fouled on that play. So when I see a play like that, clearly Domas feels otherwise, or it's just a mechanism when you get stripped to complain about it, to sell it so it doesn't look so bad. But this complaining, like this, like he complains a lot. I feel like the Sacramento Kings complain a lot, but I feel like Domas complains too much. And he's got to reel that in. Whether Mike reels him in, whether De'Aaron reels him in, whether he reels himself in. Again, I'm not I'm not questioning how often he gets hit. I'm not questioning that there are a million missed calls against DeMontis Sabonis a game. Not questioning any of that. My frustration is that probably wasn't the moment to complain. And then it felt like you quit on the play. You let Max Struess have that three, and the Kings never recovered from that. Any momentum that they had at that point, they lost. And that drove me nuts. And the Kings, I feel like, have been arguing with the officials too much this year. Sometimes it's justified. Sometimes you have to speak up, particularly Domas, for sure. But these are the type of plays that make me feel like if officials go back and watch this stuff or if, if, if officials are aware of how Domas acts during a game, they don't take that response to heart. Oh, man, he just he's just embarrassed because he got stripped under the basket by Max Struess. Max Struess turned it into a three, so he's going to make it seem like he was fouled. I don't know if officials do that or not, but I know Domas don't get any love from officials. Maybe this is part of the reason why. Now, I get it. I get it. I know what, I know. a lot of you are saying this in your head. Some of you are saying it out loud. You might even be typing it right now. I get it. There are other players in the league who complain all damn day and get rewarded for it. Luka Doncic is one of them. LeBron James is one of them. There are guys who complain. Devin Booker is one of them. There are guys who complain all game long and oftentimes get rewarded for it. Domas isn't going to get rewarded for it for whatever reason. He's not. De'Aaron Fox isn't going to get rewarded for it for whatever reason. I don't know why. I think those two have to be more careful about when they turn to officials and argue. No starter for the Sacramento Kings shot a free throw yesterday. And I think let me let me let me let me pull up the first half numbers real quick because I feel like there was one free throw in the first half that seems ridiculous. There was Trey Lyle shot one free throw in the first half. That was it. They wound up finishing at seven for twelve, so it leveled out a little bit. I think the yeah the 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 Cavaliers finished at seventeen. And again, you could go back and watch the beginning of this game and see. Yeah, the officials, they this they're they're chilling. You you could you you could see it right out the gate. The officials are letting things go. That play at the top of the key where uh De'Aaron ran into I think it was Evan Mobley when the Kings had possession and he and he came up kind of like kind of uh grabbing that shoulder he's been he's been favoring as of late. No foul call on that play. No foul call. 
one of those games. So we've had we've had a game on this road trip, two games on this road trip where De'Aaron was the only Sacramento King to shoot free throws. And on the same road trip, we had a game where not one of the starters who played 30, 29, 34, 31, and 35 minutes respectively shot a free throw. Now, there are some games where that's indicative of how Sacramento was playing, right? Three-point shooting, transition, uh, one-pass possessions, one-shot possession, all that different stuff. I got you. I don't know that that was truly indicative of how Sacramento was playing yesterday, though. The Kings as a whole were 17 of 44 for from three. It's a decent clip. I mean, not as good as what, what Cleveland did. Cleveland was nasty from three-point range yesterday. Shot like 50%, 56% from three. Nasty. Not a horrible guy. I mean, 17 threes in a game. Rare, rarely are you looking down at that. But again, no free throws for the starters. Okay. So there's a there's a point, and I don't know where we're at. I don't, I don't know I don't know when we get there, but there's a point where it's an officiating issue, or it's a Kings issue, and maybe those maybe those two issues are intersecting, where it's an officiating issue and a Sacramento Kings issue. But complaining to the officials has gotten the Sacramento Kings nowhere. We've got a 49-game sample size of the Sacramento Kings being frustrated with officiating and it not getting them very far. And that Domas play yesterday under the basket with Max Struess was infuriating because Domas is the guy. You can't do that. Domas is the one who, when something's off, something's going wrong, you see it all game. Talk about vocal leaders. How many times do we see Domas Hey, HB, coming back in from a timeout, grabbing HB. Coming back in from a timeout, grabbing Keegan Murray. Uh, headed to the free throw line, talking to De'Aaron Fox, talking to the different guys on the floor. How often do we see Domas directing traffic? How often do we see uh, Domas getting the ball to Kevin Herter? Maybe Kevin Herter didn't take a shot. Domas pulls him aside. Hey, like, you got to get that shot up. We saw that yesterday. Domas very vocal, and it feels like the team responds to him. You can't do that. You're Domas Sabonis on this team. You can't quit on a play like that. And that's 100% what it looked like to me, is that he quit on that play. He was frustrated. He got stripped underneath. He turned to the officials, literally turned his back on the play. Yo, that's James Harden, Houston Rockets level complaining. You turn your back on the play? No. I expect better from Domas. I expect a lot better from Domas. Can't do that. And I also look at Domas's stat line last night. Another triple-double. Kyle texted to me. I'm sure he said it on the, on the insiders. But the, the Sacramento Kings are 8-7 and seven in the 15 games that Domasa Sabonis has a triple-double. 8-7. and seven. That's lower than their win percentage. Way lower. 12... 19 and 15. Extraordinary numbers. 
particularly the 19 and the 15. It was extraordinary. But here's that concern again. 12 points, all right? 12 points on nine shots. Hmm. Six of nine, effective. And this goes back to the Kyle Matson question of a few weeks ago. This goes back to the conversation about can DeMontis Sabonis be your second best player versus can DeMontis Sabonis be your second scorer? Those two things are not the same thing. And DeMontis Sabonis seems to be against the idea of being more in control of the offense based on what he does. He's in control of the offense based on what he does for other people. But when you've got a six and nine clip now, admittedly, a lot of that stuff isn't, isn't, you know, dribble, dribble, back down, turn, a uh, little flip into the basket, dribble, dribble, back down, you know, dunk, get position or whatever the case may, may be. A lot of that is offensive rebound, put back. He had four of them last night. Transition basket, a uh, little flip shot from the elbow, transition dunk. That's, that's, that's what a lot of that is. But he's capable of creating a shot for himself. Now, I get it. He takes the role of a point guard sometimes where he likes creating shots for other people. But De'Aaron scored 19 on 20. That's a tough look. 19 on 20 doesn't work. I don't want to say it's hurting the Kings, but do they need him to be more? Yeah, well, they because like the way he runs the offense is fine and it works for the Kings right now and all that. And they got wins, but do you need Domas to maybe like just not even maybe just be more aggressive? But does it? Like, but d- does it help them win games? Because again, you got that twelve, nineteen, and fifteen. Give me that nineteen, but what if you drop that fifteen to eight and got more aggressive on the offensive end with what you were doing? Like. If someone's off or if De'Aaron isn't in, you know, the mode he was in against Chicago, and I get it, it's a tough ass to do ask him to do that on a night to night basis, who's gonna be there to pick up that slack? You got nine shots from Keegan Murray, he didn't do it. You had nine shots from Kevin Erter, he didn't do it. And I don't think it's fair to expect those others to um pick it up either, pick up the slack. And the like, truth is it's probably not fair to expect Domas to do it because that's not what he does. But my point with Domas versus those other two is I think he can and he can be in full control of it. Well, yeah, it also comes with the um, territory of being the second best player on your team, though. Like, it might not be Sabonis' game, but the way the roster is built right now and the way the team is built, like, we, they, need, they need him to go out and do that. Might not, like you said, might not be the way his game is, like, catered to or whatever, but he does need, like, they do need that right now. Yeah, I don't disagree with that at all. I don't disagree with that at all. And that's my, and maybe... And that's and that's the part that's the that's the part Monty McNair has to look at when it comes to upgrading this roster. And I'm not talking about upgrading this roster in the next two days. I'm talking about upgrading this roster moving forward. Because if you're sold on the idea that this is just Domas on this is this is just Domas Bonus's game, then you have to figure out guys. You either have to push Keegan to take another step offensively. Or find someone, or push Kevin Herter to take another step offensively, or find someone. And this goes back to a conversation we were having with KC last week. 
is maybe that's where Kevin Herter gets removed from the equation and you insert a player who can create their own shot. You have to have guys who can do different things rather than having a group of guys who are all pretty good at the same thing. Yeah, because there's going to be times where you need a plan B where Darren Fox isn't hitting his shots or whatever. Malik Monk isn't necessarily what you needed that night. So, like, you can't always just depend on Domas facilitate, get the ball to Kevin Herter because we saw it in the playoffs. They're not always going to hit their shots. That's why you need that plan B where it's like, just because these have been the players we've heard all year or whatever. But a Jeremy Grant, go get us a bucket real quick. Offense is kind of sputtering. We need you to go and create a shot for us. Like, that's what they need. And Domas is a 20-point, roughly, point, 20 point per game guy. He, he it, Is it fair to say that he, um, for what a number two, not a number two, but what a second score in the league does right now, it's not enough for the Kings? Like, he, what he's doing is fine and all that, but it's just for what the league is now, it's just not enough. Like, you get what I'm saying? Yeah, I think the number that's not enough is the nine. That's the, 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 the nine attempts. That's the number that's not enough to me. That's where, so if I pull up right now Domas's stats and take a quick peek at his, yeah, that didn't, that didn't jump up as quickly as I thought. I wanted to see his shooting percentage. So he's shooting, he's shooting about 12 times a game, 12.8. So we can round up, say he's shooting about 13 times a game. It's pretty amazing. The fact that he's shooting 13 times per game and is averaging 19.7 points. That's pretty that's a that's a that's a that's a pretty amazing ratio. It shows his I mean is he's a 61% shooter. He's basically a 62% shooter. He's 43% from 3 when he takes those. What's really bad is the fact he's shooting 62% from the field and 69% from the free throw line. That's a brutal look that he has to fake, that he has to fix. But I just I I get caught up sometimes when I recognize he had 15 assists in a game that felt like the Kings were out of late. Where if he had in in 12 points, if he had 20, if he had tw- if if the game if the game had been if if somehow the game had still been 136 to 110, but Demontis Sabonis has. 18, 19, or 20 to go along with every other statistic, okay, you just, you law, you just, you just kind of take that. But I, every time Domas has a low scoring game and the Kings lose like this, I get caught up on the Kyle Matson question about can DeMontis Sabonis, there's no question DeMontis Sabonis is the second best player on this team, but the question is can you get further in the playoffs with DeMontis Sabonis being your second leading scorer? And that's, I get, I get that question lives. Uh, shout out to the morning roll. Shout out to our brother Bonte Hill. That question lives rent free in my head after games like this. Well, yeah, and um, Scott Recycler throws it in right here. It says Kings are equals a lottery team without Sabonis. We're not saying that the Kings need to replace Demontis Sabonis or anything like that. But for right now, like like you said, it's just when the team's not putting up points or whatever, you need your second best player to pick up the slack. Is it like so? So I'm 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 getting caught up on the chat. What am I? What am I? What am I missing here? Am I trying to trade Demontis Sabonis? I don't think. That's is it? I feel, I feel like we've kind of prefaced I, it with like Sabonis is I feel good. Like for, great, I feel like for five years we told De'Aaron Fox we have to he has to be better, but we tell Demontis Sabonis after one goddamn game that he needs to be better, and all of a sudden this is completely out of line. We're a lottery team without him. The hell are you guys talking about? No one's asking him to replace. What are you talking about? What do y'all think you're listening to? 
be more aggressive on the offensive end because he's a 60% field goal shooter. That's what we're talking about. You shoot at a clip of 60%, shoot at a higher rate than nine field goals a game or even potentially 13. What are we talking about? That man busts his ass to create other shots for people. He is a brilliant orchestrator of what Mike Brown wants to run on the offensive end. Brilliant. But when push comes to shove, again, I'm still putting the 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 whole the whole start of this conversation was DeMontis Sabonis complaining about officials. And yeah, I'm gonna challenge DeMontis Sabonis to be better. If y'all want to kiss his ass and say he's the greatest thing Sacramento's ever said, hey, do you. But y'all demanded that De'Aaron Fox be better every year since he started in this league. And y'all are just content with, no, Domas got a triple-double last night. It's fine. Y'all had no problem looking down at triple-doubles when Russell Westbrook was getting them. But now all of a sudden, oh, the Kings lose by 20, but Domas had a triple-double. It's not his fault. No, he needs to be better. He needs to not give up on plays when the ball is taken from him under the basket. He needs to close out or do whatever you're supposed to do in that situation as an all-NBA basketball player. Scout Recycler talking about Fox and Sabonis playing at an all-star level. The other guys stink. I'm sorry, sir. When were Fox and Sabonis named to the all-star team? They weren't. And part of the reason they weren't is because of games like this. Because Domas can put up these numbers, they lose. I just looked up at the TV. They talked about the Kings and the Cavs. Do you think they talked about Demonis Sabonis' 12, 19, and 15? No, they didn't. They talked about what Donovan Mitchell did and the Cleveland Cavaliers are doing. How y'all got the nerve to talk about De'Aaron Fox got to be better, got to be better, but you question me when I'm saying Demonis Sabonis has got to be better? Y'all are content? Y'all are content with this? Y'all talk about trading, going to get this player, going to get that player, but I challenge Demonis Sabonis to be better, and that's a bad look? Okay. Okay, I got you. Well, let's ride out these triple-doubles again, eight and seven when he gets a triple-double. Let's find out the number that the – Will Z, you out there? I don't know if Will Z's got meetings today. What's the number when DeMontis Sabonis scores 20-plus? What's that number? Hell, he's a 19 – what is it, 19.7? Hell, if he's eight and seven, that only – if the Kings are eight and seven when DeMontis Sabonis has uh, – a triple-double, there's only 13 losses left. What's that, a 28 and 7? That's 21 and 13 when he doesn't? Hey, but if y'all are content with this, hey, do you. Y'all put these trades out there, these 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 absolutely outrageous play, trades, I'm just telling one, one player to be better. Oh, how dare I? This is a lottery team without him. Yeah, no kidding. I lived through that. Y'all out there funny, man. This is like we said, the roster right now calls. The roster, I think, needs him to take more shots. Like, the way he plays, there's nothing, like, he's not a bad player. You know what? If you don't want to take more, somebody has to. Well, yeah, it's the thing, too. Somebody does. Somebody has to. If it's not going to be Domas, it needs to be Herder. If it's not going to be Herder, it needs to be Keegan. Hell, some light bulb just went off with Harrison Barnes to where he's taking 15 shots per game. Now look at what now look at what that's doing. We're up to eight games now. We had the numbers on HB yesterday. It was seven games. It was, it was about 14 or 15 shot attempts per game and 20 points per game. Boom. 15 shots per game. He's at uh, eight threes per game. He shot 10 last night. 22 points. 
he's 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 as consistent of a basketball player as we've seen over the last eight games. He just hit all his averages in last night's game. We demanded HB be better. But it's out of line to ask Domas to do something different. Manny, what's up, man? It's funny because I said the same thing in spaces yesterday. I was like, look, this isn't a game that I'm like going to go up in arms about. It's the end of a road. It's a road trip. I get it. But it's a pattern also of like, look, dude, he put up a triple-double. Great. But he can't have 12 points. He can't only have nine shots. He has to see that when that, when the Cleveland's of the world, like they're getting up by 12, by 14, it's him and Fox that have to put an end to it. it I get it. You're running the offense. But sometimes you see other great teams, so you say, the hell with this offense right now. We're about to spiral. I'm going to take control of this game. I'm going to dominate down low. I'm going to do what I have to do. And it can't just be the passes. It can't, I get it. But that wasn't working at that point. Cleveland was running you all out the gym. And at that point, it's up to your two superstars, the two guys we clamor about, the two guys that were up in arms about not being on the all-star team to pull all-star moves in that moment. Do they need to do that every game? No. But in those type of games, that's what you're there for. And whether that ends up being Keegan at some point that elevates his game to be the second best player, that's at, right now that's not the case. So you need to see what's going on on the floor and take control of that situation before it gets out of hand like it did. Appreciate you, Manny, as always. And I'll say this about Domas. Domas, I think, has one of the highest basketball IQs in the league. He's got – some of the best court vision, I think, of any player, regardless of position, in the entire league. When he's racking up 15 assists or he's only shooting nine times, I think nine and a half times out of ten he's making the right basketball play. I also think there's occasions where he could be more aggressive, but there also has to be a realization of perhaps last night we used the way that Cleveland's playing him. Guys in that starting lineup have to be aggressive on the offensive end instead of letting it always sit on, on on Foxy's shoulders. And that's the great thing about the way Harrison Barnes is playing right now. We've been begging for HB to be more aggressive, and that's what he was able to do. But remember, this all started with the line about Domas can't do what he did with Max Struess under the basket. He's got to be more aware. He's got to close out. He can't give up on plays, especially when you're the vocal leader of this team, when you're the leader out there on the floor, when you're the guy dictating everything, you can't do that. We'll come back. We'll talk more. Get in on the phone lines. You think I'm full of crap? No problem. Tell me about it. KC isn't here to tell me I'm full of crap, so you tell me. 916-909-1320. Stealing with KC. Brought to you by Sky River Casino here on Sacramento Sports Leader ESPN 1320. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Jesse said the uh, Sacramento Kings are giving up nearly 30% from three-point three range. 39.5%. Teams. That's 29th. Charlotte is 39.6%. So mm. they're pretty much just the worst. It's a tough league. Who's around them? So Charlotte, Sacramento, who else is at the bottom? Atlanta's in there at 20, losing, losing 28th. Teams. San Antonio, Utah, losing team. Detroit. L- losing team, losing team. Memphis. Losing. Losing. Toronto, Washington. None of these teams are in the playoffs. Toronto, not where you didn't name one single playoff team. We get to the Lakers. I don't know if you're into the play-in type of stuff, but Lakers are there at 20. Well, I think Utah's in the play No, when's the first freaking playoff team? Indiana at 19. Well, well that's not, that is not good company to be in. The way Atlanta, are we, are we hold on, let's double check and make sure Atlanta's still there because they're, they're, they're kind of bouncing back and forth. Yeah, they're a six spot. Salute, good for them. They're a six spot right now. They got a half game on Orlando. Phoenix is at 17th. They're 36.8%. Whew. All right. What was that number you said, 36? For Phoenix, yeah. Yeah, 36. Okay. Uh, who'd you say we got? We got Ian, 916-909-1320. Ian, what's up, my man? Hi, yes. I was the person who had posted that stat in the chat about the Kings being 8-7 and seven with Sabonis recording a triple-double. I looked further at those uh, wins and losses, and something that really jumped out at me was looking at Fox's shooting numbers in those losses. You know, I don't think it's that surprising that your, your, your top scorer uh, shoots poorly in the losses. Um, you know, Pacers game, Fox is 8 of 20. Heat game, Fox is 4 of 16. Cavs last night, 8 of 20 again. These aren't great shooting numbers. So, you know, the question, well, two questions. One, if Fox isn't hitting, if Sabonis isn't scoring, then who's scoring inside? And second, are Sabonis' triple doubles the product of defenses making a strategic decision just let the Kings be this jump shooting team with Sabonis facilitating on the perimeter? And if he gets these assists, so be it. You know, that's where, like, the cheese and the mouse trap. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a fair question, Ian, but here's – I, I, I like the idea to, to answer a, a couple of things that you said there, Ian, and we, we, we appreciate you, man. Thanks for the call and thanks for the, uh, uh, the little bit of research you did there. Um, if Domas isn't scoring on the inside, who is probably Darren and Malik on dribble penetrations. And that's, that's probably it. Uh, and two, is it a strategic decision defensively? I think the Sacramento. I think that's what the Sacramento Kings are, regardless of what defenses want to do. I think they're a jump shooting. I, th- I think this is what they are. They're a jump shooting basketball team. You hear Mike talk all the time about sprays. Like Mike's thing is though, and the Kings have been very, very consistent with this all year and last year. That it's not move the ball around the perimeter, find an open look for three. It's dribble penetration, right? It's get to the basket. It's 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 try to force the defense to collapse and then spray out. It's trying to force the defense to collapse, find an open man outside, which Domas is incredible at. 
De'Aaron is incredible at it. Malik is incredible at it. That's why we've seen playmaker assist, uh, uh, playmaker Malik go back up, his assist go back up, because of what he's able to do when he attacks the basket. But I think that's who the Kings are, less of a strategic decision. And sometimes um, what you can see from a team is they'll make a decision that focuses on a singular player, and nine and a half times out of ten, that singular player is De'Aaron. We're not letting De'Aaron collapse our defense in the in 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 inward and allowed allows guys to be open. We're not going to do that. You see that sometimes, but I think that the strategic decision isn't made by defenses. I think it's made by Sacramento. Kevin Herter, three point shooter. HB. Now that he's back to being aggressive, he's a three point shooter. De'Aaron can do everything. Keegan set the rookie record for threes last year. That's what they do. Domas is the only one who doesn't regularly shoot threes, though he can. As we outlined earlier, he's shooting, shooting you know, 43% from, from, from three. But unlike those names I just mentioned, the Herders and, 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 and Barnes, they're not averaging, at least Barnes as of late, eight threes. He's not averaging, excuse me, eight threes a game. And that's the that's the, the 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 difficulty of the makeup of this team. Three point shooters, dope. Because if they get hot, you get a couple of them hot. You don't even need all of them. You get a couple of them hot. You're in a good spot. You don't. Who switches it up? De'Aaron can obviously. Obviously, De'Aaron is incredible at it. We. We saw it at various points yesterday, particularly at the start of the game. I felt like De'Aaron was really, really aggressive trying to get to the basket at the start of the game yesterday. Malik. Malik's really aggressive in attacking the basket. But you you look to that bench and go, okay, well, who else? Trey's a great shooter. And that's what you want Trey to do, right? You want Trey to be out there for when Malik attacks the basket you got Trey Lyles out there in addition to whoever might be out there from the starting lineup. One player who I hoped would be better in this regard, and we just have not seen him get into any sort of flow offensively at all this entire season, is Davion Mitchell. That's where I thought Davion would be at his most dangerous. I thought Davion would be at his most dangerous doing what Malik does. Just Malik does it better. Attacks the basket, finishes at the rim, or attacks the basket, finds an open teammate. That's what I was hoping to see more from Davion, but maybe you just need one more guy to attack the basket. Maybe you need, nah, let's, let's, let's rephrase that. Maybe you need one more guy who can create their own shot. Because if you look at the stats, too, I just pulled up Fox's. If he shoots less than 45% um, this season, they're 5-10. and 10. So it's basically if he has a bad shooting night, you're more than likely not winning that game. So is it just a matter of Monty McNair just needs to fix it for them? Or it's Keegan, right? Because those were things that we saw from Keegan earlier this year where it was the big focal point of the summer, and I think it was a, a, a focal point that we saw to start the season, is there were plenty of games where we'd come back in here and talk about, yo, Keegan created like six of his shots last night. 
Keegan's creating shots off the dribble. Keegan's creating shots on his own. You know, Keegan's able to have a a a one pass possession where he controls the he controls everything the offense is doing. It doesn't happen a lot. Maybe that's by design. Maybe it's not. Maybe he's you know another one of those high IQ players who's always looking for 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 a different position, but the, or a different play. But that's that's why I look. Maybe maybe. <laughs> Maybe in fifteen different categories, Keegan is the 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 game changer for Sacramento. See, I, I'm along the lines of that thinking too, but it's just I, he's a second year player right now, you know. I got you, can, yeah, can and, and and that's and that's like why you want him to be that. But I don't know if I can expect, like, I'm not going to expect him to be that right now. If that makes no, sense. no, perfectly fair. But I want him to grow into that because him growing into that changes the idea of we have to go acquire somebody to do it. If you really, really believe that Keegan Murray can do that as a basketball player, this team's in great shape. If you have doubts about it, though, that's where you don't want this team to be one so once you don't want this team to be so one dimensional. Do you think they need to like come out of games where it's like, all right, Keegan needs to take a certain amount of shots because now we're seeing Barnes mm-hmm. and him, Barnes and Herder get theirs up, and I think Keegan the last few games his shot attempts have been low. Just find the flow. Just find the flow of the game. Like, I don't think there has to go out there with this edict of this player has to do this tonight, this player has to do this tonight. Like, look at, look at, I mean, Barnes is the perfect example because we asked for change from Harrison Barnes and we got it. Like, he's been aggressive. That has not wavered. Shooting, I don't think he's had a game where he shot really poorly, but he's had games where he shot great and then he's had games where he shot, like, okay. But he's remained aggressive in all of those. That's what you want. You want Harrison Barnes to remain aggressive because when he is, you see what it could do. I feel like the same should be true for Keegan too. Yeah, just for me, it's like because the shots for Herder are always going to be there because of the way this team plays, because of the but because of what Domas is great at, the shots will always be there for Herder. If Keegan can get a little bit more aggressive, maybe that's where the shots come from rather than coming from DeMontis Sabonis. I think at that point, it's just a matter of us waiting for him to grow into like being more of an NBA player, you know? Like and, being aggressive, like you said, taking those shots and all that. And that's the difficulty in... It's kind of it's kind of like a timeline for the Kings. Because right. like, with Keegan, it's like you're waiting for that, but how long is that going to take? It's kind of like you had to exercise patience as a Kings fan, a frustrating level of patience to get to the point that we got to last year where the team is clearly good um, and they're making strides in the right direction, right? And now it's like, all right, well, there's another level to this. And it's always difficult to tell Kings fans to be patient because of what they endured for a decade and a half. They waited 16 years. But now this is different because that's not what we're talking about anymore. We're not talking about patience from not being a disaster of a basketball team or a disaster of a franchise or just making the playoffs. Now we're talking about growing from a playoff team to a true title contender. And that title contender category is extremely difficult to crack. And part of the reason is you look at teams that are like Milwaukee's a title contender, right? Boston is a title contender. Denver is a title contender. Any anyone else that you would label true true title contenders? I think that's like, it right would, there. would you say? Like, I I don't know that I'm ready to lean Minnesota. Or, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm not. I, I'm with you. I'm not ready to lean in to either one of those. But you look at those three teams, and it's Tatum, and it's Brown, 
and it's Jokic, and it's Dame, and it's Giannis. No questions asked. There's no question they're all-stars. There's no question they're all pros. They're certified at a certain level. Kings aren't there yet. Yeah, we're still trying to build up ours here. Which means for whatever reason, there's still some semblance of doubt as to what De'Aaron Fox does on a basketball floor. Pretty incredible when you realize how close his numbers are to Davion Mitchell's numbers. They're n- Davion's are a little bit better. Donovan. Donovan, sorry. Yeah, Donovan Mitchell. His are a little bit better, but you look at them like they're in the same category. It's not like two tiers apart, two worlds of differences. You're looking at two players who are playing along the same lines. And there seems to still be some semblance of doubt there, but for for as 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 it regards to De'Aaron, but when you have those certified players, that's when you become true title contenders. When you build, when you know exactly what you're building around, that's when you become true title contenders. And I feel like Sacramento knows that. Yeah, because I think too we're at a point where also you like mentioned being patient, and all that. Like I'm 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 of the belief where it's like no matter what happens this year, this team's gonna need a move. To become title contenders, I'm I'm not I don't want to say I'm out on this team, but I think there's a cap on what this team can achieve and all that. But but, but also a, it's not a, it's not we're not at an urgent an urgent period right now either. It's like you got to make the move now or we're just it's over. See, and that's what and that's what we were talking about yesterday is if if Thursday comes and goes and nothing happens, like I'm all right with that. Yeah, I'm, like, I'm not gonna be like oh just like oh just season's ruined now. I won't be like that either. And I also feel like I'm realistic too when uh, you know if a difficult series rolls around. I don't know. They could surprise us and win one playoff series, two playoff series, three playoff. They could be in the NBA Finals. Who knows, right? Miami was there last year. Most people didn't expect Miami to be out of the play-in, much less out of the Eastern Conference Finals, but yet there they were against Denver in the NBA Finals. Like Stuff like that can happen. But when you want to become the teams like Milwaukee, like Boston, uh, like Denver, that is a title contender every year, that's where... This offseason becomes the offseason that you you probably need to take a step. In hindsight, I think it's perfectly okay, even with the result being virtually identical to what we saw last year. In hindsight, standing, standing pat, running it back, as we said, it's not the worst thing in the world. Well, yeah, because you know, it's not like you're going to... It seemed like it at one point, but you're not in a playing spot right now. It seems like they've kind of just found water, whatever, level, found themselves level and stuff like that. So, yeah, I think running it back, I wasn't a fan of it. But, I mean, bigger picture, yeah, nothing, nothing's and that, gone wrong. And, and, that's the, and that's the thing that Monty McNair always has to keep in mind, right, is the bigger picture. Where are we at now versus where are we going? Where do we want to be next? And what sort of realistic benchmark are we setting for ourselves moving forward? Because what I don't think this team can do is run it back next year. Yeah, so you're just if the move isn't right now at the trade deadline, you're saying they got to probably do one in the offseason, make one. Yeah, if the if <laughs> this is a ridiculous statement, if the goal is to get better, yeah, because at some point you have to trust what you see. You have to believe that what you're seeing. Look, we're a uh, forty. Seven, eight, nine, 40, uh, 47, 48, 49 win basketball team. That's who we are. We now have a two-year sample size to prove that. Are we going to sit here? Because we got passed by Oklahoma City. They're going to try to get better. And God, do they have the resources to get better. We got passed by Minnesota. Eh, 
We'll see what they do. Denver is going to be there. What are the Lakers doing this offseason? What is Phoenix going to do? You start to look around the league and go, can we afford to just kind of sit here? And I think the answer is no. I think you could afford to do it last offseason. This offseason, I don't think you can afford to do that. And I don't know what it looks like. I don't know what this offseason looked like. I don't have a target. None of that. I'm just saying I think right now they're in a fine position to continue at this four, five, uh, excuse me, five, six, hopefully not seven, but we got to be realistic with what we're talking about. That's the tier the Kings are in, five, six, seven. And, and, and I think they can continue to play out with this roster at this rate for the rest of the season. Yeah, I think it's fair because um, we can go back to something Kenny's always said too. It's like in these rebuilds, it's not a matter of if you made the playoffs one year, boom, now your titles contenders. Yeah, like you can probably afford another first round exit, or even maybe you get to the second round. I, I think even if they get to the first round, it's a su- successful season and all that. But there's a point where you get stagnant, and that, that's where the Kings obviously don't want to be. And here's the other thing too, you know, big picture wise, this was a seven game road trip that the Kings finished five and two in. Yeah, it was a great road trip. Everyone wanted them. You know, when this all started, man, this would be a really successful road trip if you could come back four and three. They This road trip kind of, I don't know if I'm there yet, but almost like, okay, now they're starting to look like how they were last year. They, they answered back, if anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this is the most consistent, even in losses, because, again, the final score, the final score looks like trash. It looks like another Kings blowout yeah it's not like they weren't fighting they got back to 10 a couple times yeah that's not that just that wasn't the story of the game the story of the game was not the fact that they got blown out and the clock just ran out and they were down 20 the story of the game is that they they had a couple of you know they had a couple of bad stretches of basketball that got them in a deficit that they fought back from got it to within 10 on more than one occasion and Cleveland is as hot as a team as there is in the league I think I think um when you see the Kings take care of business a little earlier on, it's a lot less, it's a lot easier to just go game by, or a lot easier to not go game by game, you know? Mm-hmm. It's a lot easier to go look at this Cavs game and be like, yeah, the score looks horrible, but ideally you put the whole world trip together, we're five and two, you're going to have some stinkers every now and then. Yeah, I don't think they had a truly bad game on this road trip, right? There's obviously games that you wish they had played better in. The Memphis one comes to mind. Miami, they didn't play great, but it's not like they were ever out of it. Like, See, still it, in it and, too. and that was, and, and, and that's the one, like, of all of the games that I feel like maybe that one got away from them a little bit because they didn't play great, and Miami did not play like I expected them to. And there were various points in that game where I feel like if the Kings can just get a couple of things to go their way, they're going to win this game. Because for a team that's lost seven straight, they, they ain't there. Like, Miami is not there. And that's probably of even more so than yesterday. Again, we talked about beating Cleveland three times in a row. We talked about this run that Cleveland's on. Even more than that, I think the only game on this road trip where I was like, ah, they, they might have left one out there is the Miami one. But, again, 5-2 and two is a phenomenal seven-game road trip. Now you got to come back home uh, and, and, and follow it up. Now you might have to come back home and find Keegan Murray a little bit. Keegan Murray, we talked about that Miami game. Keegan Murray had 33 in that one, and they lost. Like, he had three games of five points. He had 10 points last night. And it's like, man, where's where's Keegan? 
Where's Keegan on the offensive end? Did Keegan get lost as Harrison Barnes got found? That, 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 that's, that's another question I have, too. It's just a matter of, um, like, is it – can because can, I think in the rundown, too, we have it where – can we find this team where everyone's firing on all cylinders, but it feels mm-hmm. like all year it's like it's got to be one or the other. And I don't know if, if it's the rest of the season where it's like, all right, if you guys want HB, if we want HB to start playing well and all that, then maybe Keegan's going to have to take a back seat. Maybe it's just the point where it's like not everyone can eat on the starting five. There, that's, yeah, that's probably like a, that's probably like an unrealistic, desire right can everyone hit on all cylinders no like probably not because I mean how many times does that happen on a night-to-night basis like how many times does does you know Tatum go for you know 35 and Jalen goes for like 14 and vice versa you know what I mean like to ask in 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 the Celtics case you're looking at two players and you can sprinkle you maybe throw in one whether it was Marcus or now it's uh, Porzingis uh, you 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 throw in one more guy. On Sacramento, we're talking about okay. Well, we need Kevin Herter to shoot forty percent from three. We need Keegan to get his shots. We need Domas to do what he does. Obviously, De'Aaron has to lead everything, and we need Harrison to be more aggressive. We're literally talking about five players. And oh, by the way, the whole second unit seems to center on Malik Monk. Yeah, we got when a guy Ma- who needs to get hot. Doing when Malik thing. Monk is hot, well, Trey Lyles is hot too. Now we're up to seven guys that we're act- asking to hit on all cylinders. That's not realistic. Last night, it felt like no one was really on point except HB. De'Aaron was trying to get things going. Domas was trying to get things going for everyone else. Malik was trying to handle things on the bench, and it just didn't it didn't fall the way Sacramento wanted to or the way we wanted it to for Sacramento. Uh, 916-909-1320. Let's get to our man TC. TC, what's going on, baby? Yes, sir. D-Lo, Jesse, what's up with my two bros, man? It ain't my two brothers, but it's my two bros. What's up, TC? All right, look, check it out. Hey, hey, D-Lo, hey, hey, I was livid, uh, Jesse, last night. It was two plays in particular. That one by Domas when he got stripped, I yelled so loud last night, bro. My wife was like, you good? She was like, she even got bad. I was like, bro, that that's the game. We lost it right then and there. Also, like, when De'Aaron Fox, I don't know if that was at the end of the quarter, when was that? when he ran inside the lane and just, like, chucked up a shot. And I'm starting to think, I know De'Aaron has made a bunch of game-winning shots, but the whole turning of, like, at the end of quarters, this whole turning the ball over or, like, taking some wild step-back shot, like, bro, that has to stop. I love you, De'Aaron, but we have to work on those in-the-game situations when you are just you have the ball and you're like, I'm going to do whatever. I'm either going to, like, throw a wild pass or I'm going to take some crazy step-back 30-foot three-pointer, like, Bro, that those two those two plays in the game was the, the end of the game because we could have came back last night. Cleveland wanted to give us a game last night, but when Domas made that move, brother, that was the end of it, D-Lo. I love you, TC. I love you, TC, I do. Uh, I don't think Cleveland wanted to give us that game last night. It felt like they were well aware of what was happening uh, with Sacramento. I don't know if it was Cleveland giving the game away more so, just the Kings were just fighting still. Yeah, the King, yeah, and that, and that's, and and again, you pull, you, I mean, the 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 grandest positive last night's outcome is the road trip is over. You went five and two on the road trip, right? The other thing is, it it really does feel like over this last stretch of 
you know, you can, you can, you could seven game road trip. You could, you could throw in the, the, the four game losing streak for the most part, if you want to, with the exception of the Philadelphia one, Philadelphia might be the last one where it feels like, okay, this basketball team's playing better. Like the, 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 the wild up and down of winning by 20, losing by 20, that whole thing. You know, we mentioned they've got a plus differential now of a whole point now for the first time. Like those, those little things there, again, when you try to look at games in their totality to the season versus the individual outcome, the positive on the road trip and the positive that the Kings are playing better. They fought all through that game last night and just there was no way with the way Cleveland is playing that Cleveland was going to let them have it. Yeah, they're, they're getting back to themselves. We got Trista Crick coming up at the top of the 2 o'clock hour. If I'm not mistaken, she is live in Las Vegas. Media night was in full effect. We'll talk about that. More of your phone calls as well. 916-909-1320. Steeler with KC. Brought to you by Sky River Casino, where the humidor is on its way. Myself, KC, our man Leezy, we were able to spend some time in the humidor last Friday uh, following the live broadcast, man, and this is going to be the spot to hang out. You're going to catch us there a lot. They've got the finest cigars, uh, whiskey, bourbon. The ambiance is phenomenal. It is unlike any spot you have seen uh, in this city, and I can't wait for you guys to experience the humidor when it opens later on this month. Uh, we'll come back. See them with KC here on Sacramento Sports Leader ESPN 1320. <laughs> Trista Craig coming up at the 2 o'clock hour, live from Las Vegas. At least I think she's in Las Vegas. I think I saw she was covering the Super Bowl down there. Um, yeah, she's got to be, because I remember she was asking, asking Kyle Madsen if he'd be, be down there and all that. She's got to be in Vegas. Okay. Yeah, she'll be with us coming up at the top of the 2 o'clock hour. Uh, our man Jason Jones coming up uh, in the final hour of the show as well. Our man Jay over here on Twitch.tv slash ESPN1320 asked, do you think Shanahan was a little turnt last night? Because he actually trusts his quarter. It's funny. Uh, that could be the reason. There was a lot of good stuff from from media night. I, I I didn't. Media night's a circus or opening night or whatever they choose to call it. It's a bit of a they've like embraced it. They have to be a circus. Like it, I don't think opening night of the Super Bowl is meant to be a serious journalistic uh, dive into what this game is going to be. It's meant for everybody to come through, get sound bites, bring attention to the all that good stuff. <laughs> that reminds me. Oh, this Taylor Swift thing is the most humbling thing the NFL has ever experienced. What do you mean by that? Because they recognize now there is a more powerful entity than them. Oh, yeah. They're used to being the big dog. And then Taylor Swift comes along and they realize, oh, we're nothing. You know what really exemplifies that you're nothing in the grand scheme of the world outside of the sports world? In the grand scheme of everything, I thought about this and I kind of brought this up half jokingly like yesterday, but then I dove into like a few more things and I'm sure there's a clip somewhere. Certainly wasn't on the broadcast and it certainly wasn't on any of the main red carpet things. All of this talk about Taylor Swift in the NFL and how she's infiltrated the NFL, all of this nonsense. The NFL's biggest weekend is coming up. Super Bowl weekend. All eyes are on. 100 million people are going to watch. Music's biggest night was Sunday. That whole show was set up for Taylor Swift to win that album of the year award. She dropped the announcement for her new album in in April. Salute. Loved it. Great. Now, one person asked her about Travis Kelsey. 
Oh, yeah, no. Not one. No Travis Kelsey, no Super Bowl, no Kansas City Chiefs, no boyfriend. You know why? Because they didn't care. They don't need Travis Kelsey or the NFL. The NFL needs Taylor Swift. Taylor and Swift. Is, I found that comical. Taylor Swift is so big, they tried giving her credit for the fade, right? Oh, so good. So good. Oh, the NFL has taken such a humbling L with all of this. No, if N- I if love the, it. If the NFL's in a room and Taylor Swift walks in, everyone's looking at Taylor Swift who just walked in. Facts. Yeah. It's so good. I, I just I just love that so much. And 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 Roger Goodell putting over Taylor Swift and even Boomer Esiason's goofy ass is talking about Taylor Swift. That oh man, I love it. She she she's I love it. People feel a certain way. She's good for the NFL. Such such. Well, no, you know what she is? She's fine. She isn't bothering nobody. That's facts. She is bothering. Oh, she's stealing the attention. No, they're putting the camera on her. If you don't like it that much, you can close your eyes, cuff your ears, and do the la 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 thing. Yeah, do that. Do that. But I, I just found that so funny. They they talked to Roger Goodell about Taylor Swift to death, and didn't nobody ask Taylor Swift about the NFL. Yeah, nobody at the Grammy say, Taylor, you yeah. think Brock Purdy's going to be able to do it this year? Or what's going on? Yep, but they sure asked Brock Purdy about Taylor Swift, didn't they? Yeah, they did. Mm, 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 mm. Uh, interesting note, uh, once Roger Goodell got past all of the Taylor Swift stuff, was I feel like this is rather noteworthy. Is he committed to not having a streaming-only Super Bowl. And KC has often posed the question about, do we ever see a day where, like, the Super Bowl goes to pay-per-view or uh, goes to a way, like, that somehow you'd have to pay for it outside of what we already do? And I've always been adamant, like, I think the answer is no. There's There's too much ad revenue at stake. There's far too much at stake for them to try to flip the script. And I think the same is true for if you went to Peacock or Amazon Prime or Hulu or whatever the case may be. Of course, it could be set off. I guess Hulu is Disney. But it could be set off by the fact if it's Amazon Prime, Amazon Prime is clearly paying like a billion dollars or something like that to air the Super Bowl on their network. But that almost eliminates the possibility of getting a return uh, 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 of investment because the price tag is way too high. And so I thought it was I thought it was interesting that Roger Goodell said uh, as it pertains to a streaming only Super Bowl that it won't happen he his his quote was certainly not in my time. So at no point in the near future is Roger Goodell or at no point in the near future is the Super Bowl going to be on a streaming only service. I think we'll probably get there at some point, but I don't think it's Anytime soon. I don't think it's anytime within the next decade. Well, you pretty much mentioned it's the NFL. Like, you know, if they say they're not doing anything, it's because there's money tied to it. There's not enough for them to pretty much go with it. But the and, and the and the thing is, too, with these broadcast partnerships, like if you're ABC, which is ESPN, you have ESPN Plus, but you also have Disney Plus. Think about how much companion programming you could put on any of those two entities as part of already having the Super Bowl airing on a local channel like ABC. I mean, there's so much that you could do that could entice people to watch on HBO Max versus watching on ABC or watch on ESPN Plus 
but uh, well, it's kind of uh, what the NBA is doing with that, right? Because they got the HBO Max, but also like, you, you can watch on TNT, but those games are also on HBO Max now. Yeah, but that's not companion programming. That's just programming. Oh, I got you. Like, because now you can add. So HBO is trying to set it up to where you could start to use HBO Max as a like a television service. Like you have, you know, you have all of the Turner stations and like the TBSs, TNTs, all that stuff. You have CNN. So you start to cover bases where you have movies and drama and sports and with TNT you get not just NBA coverage but you get the Major League Baseball playoffs as well and I think you get the NCAA tournament I think so because isn't the NCAA tournament always on like TNT and CBS and True TV and all of that stuff so that's all that's all like I think uh, an incentive for people to go you know what I don't need YouTube live I can get HBO I can get HBO Max and have my local channels do something else, and I'm set. Do you think there's a way they can get like these streaming services though, like um, get them involved with the Super Bowl somehow? Like, because like he says, like in his time, like they'll never be exclusively on yeah. Amazon Prime or Peacock, but maybe Super Bowl presented by Amazon Prime, like on CBS or something like that. You get what I'm saying? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, I absolutely think they could do that. I think if I'm not mistaken, last year's Super Bowl I think was presented by Hulu. Gotcha. I think something was presented by Hulu last year, and I think it was part of the the launch to get people I, ready for Sunday Ticket, or, or not Hulu. I'm sorry, YouTube. I think it was yeah, part it was of it, it was part of the launch to get people ready for Sunday Ticket and on I, on YouTube Live. And I mean, along the lines of two, where maybe like we're not showing the game exclusive exclusively on Amazon Prime, but you know what we're going to use like like their halftime show and all that. We're going to use like mm-hmm. their people, but mm-hmm. we're going to just show it on CBS or something. You think like that's possible? Because I know CBS has their own thing, but. You make money work somehow. Yeah, you could. They're gonna make that money work somewhere. I'm just but throwing stuff out. I there. think they'll get more creative with companion programming moving forward because virtually, like now you have NBC. Well, NBC has the Peacock tie-in. You have ABC and ESPN. They have the Disney tie-in, which is Disney Plus and Hulu. And then you and and of course ESPN Plus. Um I don't know if CBS has an affiliation, but you 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 start to check streaming boxes off with these networks, and I think we're going to start seeing a lot more uh, uh, Nickelodeon, Nickel, you know, Nickelodeon Super Bowls or Toy Story Super Bowls or things like that. I think we're going to see a lot more companion programming on channels like that through their streaming networks moving forward, yeah, especially with Goodell's commitment to keeping the Super Bowl on regular television. Um, there's a strong belief Kyle Shanahan was drunk yesterday. Uh, and I'm all for it. Uh, Kyle Shanahan, as is, 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 is Kyle Matson said earlier, you could have asked Kyle Shanahan anything yesterday uh, and probably would have gotten an answer. He discussed, now this wasn't last night, uh, but he has discussed in recent days with Peter King the conversation about Tom Brady. Remember the article Nick Wagner wrote with the quote from Brock Purdy about how Kyle Shanahan had told him in the offseason, you know, unless we, you know, unless we land Tom Brady, you're going to be the, yeah, yeah, you know, the quarterback of this team. Got a Florio article out of that. And of course, yeah, Mike Florio, will, will, will Tom Brady come out of retirement? Um, Kyle Shanahan was like, yeah, we only explored the Tom Brady situation because of Brock Purdy's injury. We weren't really sure what we were dealing with with Brock Purdy's injury, so we were trying to keep 
you know, other avenues open. And that's all it was. Uh, I don't know how realistic it was. I don't know how far those conversations got. Um, I feel like anytime Kyle Shanahan says anything, it gets magnified times the 1,000. Like even with the Philip Rivers stuff and all that, like it's mm-hmm. like like for, like when Kyle Shannon talks about it, like he even talked about um the story where he was talking about with Jed York. He's like, yeah, I think we might have like the third best, the th- our third best quarterback. Probably talking about Brock Purdy, Purdy might be our best quarterback or whatever. Mm-hmm. And like we make up like the media makes such a big deal out of these stories, but when you hear Shanahan talk back about it or whatever, it's like, yeah, we explored it or whatever, but it wasn't really like it wasn't ever as serious as it gets talked about, you know. The quarterback thing was interesting because Kyle explained how he was like in the moment when he was asked he was frustrated and I got the same perception that Kyle Matson did that he was frustrated with Jimmy Garoppolo and Trey Lance and most when, likely these other guys stink right here the third guy I, might be the best I think that's yeah, yeah that's exactly how Kyle framed it and that's certainly a lot different than the way who was it Jed York that was a lot different than the way Jed York framed it Jed York made it seem like yeah yeah, we might we, have Tom Brady. We knew. Yeah, we knew. Oh, we knew. Oh, my goodness. Tremendous. We knew. No. No, I don't think that's what Kyle was saying. Um, though it's certainly possible that Kyle felt like these two guys are struggling right now. And honestly, in his limited reps, the best we saw was this guy. Uh, but it is, you're you're 100% right. When Kyle says stuff, it gets blown out of proportion. Kyle has... Such a weird, like, it's like Kyle has such a weird responsibility to the, like, entire league and to the entire league's media. Well, you could throw it back to the Mac Jones stuff and that draft and how insane everyone with that. And he didn't even say anything. Exactly. Literally never commented on that quarterback or that pick. Except when they traded for it, he acknowledged you make that move to go get a quarterback. That's all he ever said, and that was in the days following the trade, and that was it. And then the Mac Jones stuff got out there, and, and – I was and, mad at the media, so he just oh. spied on them and went the other way with Trey Lance. That's why he took Trey Lance. Tremendous. And, Abs- it, and it's so – so. and this is what we talk about when we talk about media with Sacramento and how they, they hold a grudge against Sacramento – because of their reporting on Sacramento. And at some point, it's what we talked about with uh, Minnesota, how no one will say a bad thing about Minnesota or Oklahoma City right now. Not even a bad thing. No one will question Oklahoma City or Minnesota right now because they've spent years upon years upon years upon years building those two teams up. They've marveled at the way uh, Sam Presti has navigated the draft. They've, 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 they've just bought in to Chris Finch and, and what the Minnesota Timberwolves are building. And year after year, this is the team, watch out. This is the team, watch out. This is the team, watch out. Year after year after year, they're wrong. But here they are. They're finally right. Minnesota damn near had a playoff draft worse than Sacramento's with a little sprinkled in Jimmy Butler. That's year. it. They never got any heat the way no the heat. did. Never. No heat. But there were still people to this day who will tell you that Kyle Shanahan was going to draft Mac Jones. That's what he was going to do. Somebody changed his mind. Something changed his mind at the last minute. They'll tell you to this day he was going to draft Mac Jones. And someone called, and and, and it might have been TC who said, that's probably part of the reason they report on Brock Purdy the way that they do. Could be. He made them – Brock didn't do anything. Kyle made them look stupid. They've been battling that ever since. 
There was a report as recently as this year that the 49ers were going to take Mac Jones. Yeah, it never stopped. Like I said, they were doing all this backwards gymnastics where whatever was like, yeah, Kyle got mad at us, so that's why he took Trey Lance. Trey Lance ain't even on the, the, the team no more. And they still harp on that because he made them all look foolish. This media, boy. They be holding grudges. NFL media, NBA media, they be holding grudges when you make them look stupid. We had the great quarterback battle that never was either in the training camp. <laughs> yeah, it never was. Hey, guys, Brock Purdy's going to be our starter. Wonder who it's going to be. Yeah, it's Brock Purdy. Well, I mean, uh, who was it? Darnold. Sam Darnold. Well, Sam Darnold is the best of the three quarterbacks. Remember that? Yeah. I hate the media. We're we're not we're not media. We're Me, like we're like vibes. No, we're just, yeah we're we we're we're not media. Yeah, we're we're not media. We're, we're vibes. We're just, and just hang out. We're just talking with the chatty out. Exactly. We're just talking with the people listening on thirteen twenty or ninety eight point five or the Odyssey app. We're just kicking it. You're right. We're just vibes. We're not media. That's a new shirt. We're not media. We're just vibes. Dave Garcia, where you at? Careful, he'll make it a shirt. It'll be no, out there. I know there. he will. It'll but be also, out there. Going back to it, we don't have any issue with Kyle Shanahan being off and fun, right? Absolutely not. Like that's George Kittle was talking about WrestleMania. Exactly. I wanted to play the clip, but then I forgot. Like I don't, I don't think it sounds right on our screen anymore. But well, I, yeah, I was gonna say maybe we could try it out, but I'll, I'll, I'll try it. I got, I got logged out of my Twitter account in here. I don't even know if I'm logged in under my name. It could be James's name. James is slowly pushing. Oh you yeah, out. this is yeah. James is pushing me out. This is James's. This is James's login. Wow. James has got me faded out. Man, cold world. Started with the camera being moved every now and then or whatever. Now you're logged out of Twitter. Man, cold world. Now I got to I gotta log back in, get us set up, and, and, and see if we can get that sound run. But, yeah, I'm, I'm fine with opening night being whatever. You imagine, like, Kyle Shanahan after a few drinks. Like, Kyle, give us your thoughts on Taylor Swift. Imagine, like, that story. He's like, yeah, I'm kind of tired of it. He's like, I don't get the big deal, and he's just kind of slurring or whatever. Can you imagine that story? It, yeah, that wouldn't go well. I strongly advise against uh, drinking too much and talking about Taylor Swift. That would go very bad for Kyle Shanahan. Oh, man, this isn't going to be easy to do live, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try it. I thought George Kittle was fantastic last night. I also love what a big wrestling fan George Kittle is. You think he's a guy who can um, be a talking head like on the ESPN shows and all that? post his NFL career? Yeah, like, I mean, if Gronk could do it. No, I mean, no, like, I don't mean that as shade, but, yeah, like, if Gronk could do it, I absolutely think he could do it. It doesn't even strike me as something he would be interested in, though. He feels more like I'm going to the WWE type guy. That absolutely is what it feels like. He could probably make a good couple of bucks doing a... uh like a Logan Paul type schedule or something where he just wrestles once in a while. Cause he, he does seem like the guy he likes wrestling enough to where he'd probably take it serious too. Oh, he does. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm going to pull up this sound of George Kittle. If I can find it, I, I just searched George Kittle and literally every clip came up and I'm just trying to find the WrestleMania one. Um, so if it sounds bad, uh, forgive me, but we, see, he was asked about Harry Potter yesterday. I love the little kid that does the interviews too. All right, let's let's try this. George Real quick, Kittle, while you're pulling that up. 
Adrian asked, what other QBs had talent around that Purdy has? I mean, Mahomes is great, but he came in to leave with Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, too. Why is I, – I, It's okay to have talent around you, you guys. Yeah, it's, it's just, okay. It's, it's, it's wild. It's wild that we look at the talent on the San Francisco 49ers as such a – There's this big myth in sports, and I think it has to do with Michael Jordan somehow. It's 100% Michael Jordan. You think that's what it is? 100%. Everyone thinks that you, you have to do it on your own or some, some way. Yes, because Jordan definitely didn't did it on his own and did not have a player on his team who many regarded as a top five player in the entire league. We rewrite history so much. And then we say put party in Atlanta or Chicago. I want to see something. You could do that for probably why, bro? Like quarter, Adrian, that's dumb. Adrian, that's dumb. You, Adrian, you're on timeout. Not not a real timeout. Just just take take a breather. Take a lap. Take a lap. Yeah, take a lap. That's done. That's Touch the that's, fence and back. I, th- I thought I thought we've dealt with that. That's that's stupid. Here's George Kittle uh, yesterday at Media Day. Uh, thumbs up, thumbs down as to how it sounds in the chatty house. We're starting off hot, and I love it. That is the question I've been wanting to – ooh. So, it's fun. You see everything online, and everyone's talking about we want Cody, or it's Roman and The Rock. You know what? I'm a huge Cody Rhodes fan. I like Roman Reigns. The Rock, A. He coined the term the people's tight end, so I'm indebted to The Rock. Huge fan of him. Honestly, my dream would be like uh, kind of a setup. Roman shows up. I saw this online. Roman shows up, signs a contract. Cody's on the other side. The Rock referees. Wouldn't that be fun and special? Let's, I love. Let's, just, let's make it fun and interesting. That was not my own idea, but I thought it was really cool. I love. I love that George Kittle, the week leading into the Super Bowl, is just searching what's going on in WWE right now. I love that so much. At least you know he's not phased by the week, though. And the audio is still a little choppy. All right. We'll have to get with the engineers, I guess. You know what I didn't realize? No, that couldn't possibly be it. I was going to say, maybe it's because we're on James's account, but that doesn't, that doesn't make sense because this is the first time I've had to log into Twitter, so that's not it. It sounds like we got bad internet. Man. I don't even know how to tell Jonathan. Like, hey, Jonathan, something that we did for, like, Two years doesn't work anymore. I'll literally go up to him and be like, hey, audio sounded great. This is what it sounds like now. And then, yeah, I mean, he's so, he could probably figure out what it is. Yeah. He'd probably be like, yeah, I'll figure out what it is. The good thing about Media Night is it's going to start to die down. And, and, and I think we probably got, today's Tuesday, we probably got one more day of silliness with a bunch of, you know, interviews, maybe some mindless things going out there on social media. But by tomorrow, it's football. Right by tomorrow, where where things are going to kind of go quiet, guys are going to be at practice and going through their walkthroughs, doing all of that stuff, and I think everything will turn its focus to uh, what do we think happens Sunday, and less of George Kittle searching what he thinks is going to happen at WrestleMania. These are the two best teams left in the NFL. You think? I mean, obviously it's the two teams left, but D- um, these are the best teams in the league. Yeah, definitely, because I think the 49ers have long been the best team in the NFC. I think Kansas City, too. I think they're playing that I was going to say, I don't, I don't know who I would say is better than Kansas City. Yeah, if they, if they were the squeaking AFC. by with that Buffalo game, I think that a lot for everyone's eyes as far as like, oh, yeah, maybe they're a little bit back. Yeah, it definitely feels like they're back, and that's what has me the most nervous for 49er fans headed into this one. Is And I I, I, I told Jesse this, or I, I, I told our man Rich this in his uh, great excitement for the game coming up this weekend, is my opinion on the game since it's been set hasn't wavered. 
I think it's the 49ers. And I think it's the 49ers because of Christian McCaffrey. Like if I were going to say, if I were going to say the Kansas City Chiefs, it would be because Patrick Mahomes. Like Patrick Mahomes can do so many different things uh, that can beat you. That's where I'd go. But I'm leaning with the San Francisco 49ers. And I think if the 49ers win this game, it's going to be because Christian McCaffrey does something that solidifies him as the MVP of the game. Yeah, I like that. I think, too, I'm, I'm leaning towards the Niners also just because I don't think we've seen them play their best football yet in the playoffs. I don't think we've seen them play good football yet in the playoffs. So I think I think I think they can, oh, they play good football in that second half of that Lions game. Yeah, I mean I mean like a full football game though, but I I think they'll turn it up. Come, I think they'll put it all together. Come Super Bowl time. Yeah, I think so. Um, I keep thinking I'm going to change my mind though because, well, because Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid on the other side. That's it. And like part of me wants to Tyler. Like Ty, Tyler says, uh, Brock Purdy will be MVP. Part of me. Part of me's really leaning into like if the 49ers win this game, they might they might win it late on a on a drive by San Francisco. It could be one of those not not a not a ridiculous like 45 to 35 game, but a game where one team is up by two points or four points or something like that, and it's whoever has the ball. Like if Kansas City's up by four points with uh, 90 seconds left and San Francisco has the ball, I might lean towards San Francisco. Flip it the same way. Uh, obviously, we've all seen Patrick Mahomes do special things on numerous occasions with you know the clock ticking. Um, yeah, I think, I think it'll be a close game too. I think it'll be no one scoring more than 24, I think. It's going to be a defensive game. I'm pretty confident KC's going to be back before the week ends to uh, talk about this game. I know how he excited he is. Uh, for this upcoming weekend, not just for the Super Bowl on Saturday, but our for our first ever R&B brunch at Solomon Vinyl um, coming up Saturday afternoon, beginning at 11 o'clock from 11 to 4. KC and I, our man DJ Complex, we're going to be at Solomon Vinyl in downtown Sacramento. Uh, we've got Usher's resident DJ, uh, DJ Flo, Sac State, Stingers Up, uh, coming through to mix as well as our man DJ Abs One. Uh, and we're going to be celebrating Usher. We're going to be celebrating R&B, and we're going to be having a blast all Saturday getting you ready for the game, man. Come through. Uh, if you're available, again, Solomon Vinyl, reserve your table through their different social media platforms. Uh, you don't want to get left out on this. We did one two weeks ago, and it was packed, uh, and I can't wait to experience again. I think this one is going to be even hotter uh, then the last one, we'll come back. Trista Crick joins us at the top of the hour. And, and there's a team that I just can't write off. Drew Down, talking about your Golden State Warriors. We'll talk about that when dealing with Casey Return here on Sacramento Sports Leader ESPN 1320. Trista Crick set to join us live from Las Vegas. Up at the top of the 2 o'clock hour, Jason Jones coming up in the final hour of this show. Trista Tuesday's in full effect. I just saw her tweet that. Again, she'll be with us in just a couple of minutes. Um, Warriors beat the Nets last night. A couple of takeaways from that one. Of course, I saw Anthony Slater talking to Clay Thompson. Another game, Clay Thompson, you know, didn't play late. Steve Kerr went away from him. 
It's the right call. Jonathan Kaminga's playing out of this world right now. Absolutely out of the world. In his last 10 games, 32 minutes per game, 25 points per game, 6.7 rebounds, 60% uh, from the field, 54% from three. The amazing part is in those 10 games, with all of those numbers, he's only started five of them. Man, this dude is the truth. Jonathan Kaminga is legit, and it feels like Steve Kerr might finally be coming around. The fact of, I have to coach this team to win basketball games and not appease egos. I get Clay Thompson was in his feelings a little bit. He tried to say the right things and talking about, oh, uh, uh, it's tough playing for these guys. Look, I, I understand that. He's talking about his tough bench. I understand all of that. He, he, he showed love. He's like, these guys are playing fantastic. Love to see it. He's trying to say the right things. You have stupid-ass Draymond Green chiming in off camera when no one asked his sorry-ass anything, but he feels the need to, to, to chime in and make his voice heard. But if Steve Kerr is coaching this basketball team to win games and not appease feelings anymore, I can't write the Warriors off. Can't write them off. I need to see it first. It's one of those things like I need to see them gone before I believe that they'll be gone. You got Steph. You got Kaminga playing well. You got I like that kid Pods. I've talked about him a couple of times. Like there are guys I like this roster. The issue really boils down to the role of Klay Thompson and the fact that you still got that goof on your team. Hey, and salute. Apparently he was repping for the Sacramento Kings on his podcast yesterday. I'm going to trust y'all word for it because I'm not listening to it. But. That's why I'm going to write him off because those guys are still there. I see the light at the end of the tunnel. Man, but if you're putting Clay on the bench, though, if you're willing to put Clay on the bench and but let we, Kaminga do what he does, you got that man playing 32 minutes a night. Yeah, but like you're still going to need something from those guys. Yeah, something like you play him. But I just think I don't think like you're going to get anything. Played. Like Clay's not good right now. I think like I think I see I see the future. Like I see you got Steph. He Steph probably got four more years in the league or whatever. I think you can win a title with Steph as long as he's in the league, just because his game is flawless. It don't age. He he's great. Kaminga, I think we're starting to see him turn into his own. But I don't think I'm writing him off for this season. But I do see the light at the end of the tunnel for going forward. You can't see. You don't think they'll make. They're not. A- they're, not they're not. They're not winning a playoff round. They're not. Getting to the, they're not getting to the playoffs. Clay Thompson still played 30 minutes last night. Pods played 38. I love that kid, man. I seriously do. I hate how many players on this team I actually like. I mean, now we're just seeing the younger players starting to play better. Not play better, but getting their opportunities, I think is the right word. We ain't even mentioned Andrew Wiggins and all of that. You think he gets traded? He's just kind of <laughs> he's like he's not even Man. like with Clay and Draymond like eh, we'll move him to the bench or what he's just Bro, kind of like off I, to the side. I do not know what you do with him. Like I don't know why this took such a like how did this get so bad so quick? Like this like that like Andrew Wiggins was solid last year. He was good against Sacramento, but he's gone this entire year. He's been gone. Does he intrigue you at all for the Kings? You think they'd work together, the Kings and the Warriors? You think that's even possible? Just given, I'm sure the Warriors are going to want something because rivals and all that. Hmm. Two questions there. I'm going to say, hmm. Does he help Sacramento? Let's focus on that for a second. 
I don't know because I would need to know like what 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 happened to you? Like I need to know like why is this season so bad? What happened last year? Like I I'd, I'd have some questions. I think I'd lean towards no. Uh, partly because of what you just said, you'd have to give up something to yeah, acquire I don't him. Think these teams are working together? Either. Yeah, and I don't, I don't, I don't think anyone is interested in that. But yeah, I think I, I think I'd have to pass on Andrew Wiggins. Yeah, and he's a player I've liked a lot for the last few. Well, because coming out of the finals is like, oh yeah, Andrew Wiggins is the guy. He's mm-hmm. one of the top three guys on this team or whatever. The Warriors are back. Like it's a whole new thing, and it's like he did have the personal issues. I think it was last season, right? Yeah. So he's kind of never was re- gone. Yeah. Hasn't gone back since. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really, really, the 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 disappearance of Andrew Wiggins this entire season is a is certainly a a a, a, a bizarre story. You say you're not writing him off. What do you what do you think they can achieve then? I'm not saying you saying not saying you will think they will achieve it, but like what do you, what do you think their ceiling is? Right now, they're a game. They're a game out of the tenth spot. Like, do you think they'd be a scary team if you saw them in the playoffs? Well, I don't want to see them. I'll say that. Yeah, maybe Sacramento can avoid him because that's just. Yeah, I just don't want to deal with that anymore. Any way you put it, it's going to come down to the wire every game. Yeah, I don't. I don't want to deal. I mean, yeah, exactly. You look at the way these two teams have played this year. Take the playoff series out of it. Just look. We'll do Stockton versus Santa Cruz, and somehow it'll be last minute games every time. Absolutely, a hundred percent. I could see them. I think it's a stretch for a variety of reasons to think they get to the top six. I think I could see them getting as high as eighth. And part of that is because I still have a difficult time buying Dallas. So I could see Dallas fall back a little bit. I don't buy the Lakers. It's not really difficult for Utah to fall out of this. They'd have to jump Houston along the way. I mean, they, they're, they're, they're basically win percentage-wise, they're essentially tied with, with, with Houston. I could see them getting as high as eighth. You had to put all the company's money on a bet. Which team is going to turn it up out of like those little playing teams? It's the Warriors, or would it be like the Rockets, Lakers, Dallas? And I mean a team oh, more so just kind of You're, finding their footing. Yeah. Um, if if ooh, if I was if I was if I was putting money on it, that's not mine. Yeah, I will we'll say it's Odyssey's it'd money. Probably be the Pelicans. The Pelicans. Yeah. Because that's one that I don't understand. Like, why are you guys 29 and 21 when you seem to be the greatest team that ever existed every time you play Sacramento? See, I feel like we're a little hurt just because we're on the Sacramento yeah, side. Yeah, probably Because they are on our, our tier. I, I wouldn't put them, like, in the Lakers tier but, the, but or what's, anyone like that. What's wrong with them, though? Like, why aren't the Pelicans better? Like, what are they missing? Like, they got to, you know, the, the CJ is solid on more nights than he's not. You, you, get, you got Zion, who's playing. It's always is Zion going to play? Is Zion going to play? He's playing. Is Brandon Ingram going to play? Is he going to play? He's playing. Like you have components there that work. I don't think they're missing any. It's just a matter of like this team over the years hasn't played much together. I think they're still developing. I think they're where I think if if I if it was up to me, I think they're exactly where they should be. I think they're kind of in the same tier as the Kings. They're just more so just developing now. These guys haven't gotten a lot of games together over the years and all that. And now this year, um, they're finally healthy for the most part. So like. I think I think just give them more time. I'd say. So if they just stay flat, of the other teams, Dallas, Los Angeles, Utah, Houston, Golden State, I would take Golden State. Golden State. Yep. And the one that I think would see the deepest, the steepest decrease is Dallas. That's fair. Dallas, I didn't buy to start the season. 
they've they've fallen back to this kind of playing area where they are. They've been kind and of treading water. I man, think. part of me thinks they might fall back a little bit further. There's always the who's going to help out Rob Palenka game we play every trade. Well, there's that, too. and we're we're right in the midst of hashtag Rob Palenka season. Who wants that D'Angelo Russell contract? It's right here, ready for you guys. Markinen's going to wind up on the Lakers. <laughs> I, I swear to you, everything that happened last trade deadline was. I, I swear Danny Ainge lost the, lost the bet on the golf course. Danny Ainge gave yeah. them a push to the Western Conference Finals. He absolutely did. He absolutely did. Um, the Lakers actually quietly have won a couple of games in a row. You know, since being 24 and 25 in that LeBron James, you know, press conference and the, 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 uh, uh, hourglass tweet. Towelgate. Towelgate in, in, in New York. By the way, lost in all of that because of Brian Winters. The Lakers won that game. The Lakers beat a red-hot Knicks team at the Garden. They've won three straight ever since that press conference or that media scrum that we played the sound from. They haven't lost. Yeah. And then LeBron's kind of said it as much this season, too. Chalk that up to their inconsistencies, though. That's in and, 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 and that's what, like, I, I – I think that's ultimately what we're, we're going to see is they're going to drop a couple. I think what we're seeing from the Lakers right now is pretty close to who the Lakers are. The Pelicans are the one that I wonder if, like, is this who the Pelicans are? Dallas, I think, falls back a little bit. I think Golden State comes up a little bit in Houston. I think Houston could be primed for a bigger second season next year rather than too much happening this offseason. They still got moves to make. There's a lot Houston can do to climb to the top of the play-in conversation or even the bottom part of the play-off conversation uh, as soon as next year. Yeah, they're in a decent spot. Like they're not playing. They're not in the play-in right now per se, but um per se, but um like their team kind of like the Kings, they're farther back, but the move, you can make moves mm-hmm. that'll easily jump you up, jump you up and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, the Kings got half a game on Phoenix right now. They got half a game on New Orleans as well. That was one of the frustrating things about uh, last night uh, in the loss to to Cleveland is Dallas beat Philly. Toronto just, excuse me, uh, the Pelicans just beat the absolute crap out of Toronto uh, and Golden State won. So three teams behind Sacramento all won games, including the Lakers. The Lakers beat the Hornets yesterday. That was their third win straight. And then the the the, the Bex game was actually this. I don't feel like this has any really bearing on the Kings because I I don't think the Kings are climbing into that top four. But the Clippers put up 149 last night and won again. And a salute to Harden. That dude played really well. He hit a four point. He had a four point play that clinched everything. He scored 30 on 14 shots, went to the foul line, hit all 10 of his foul shots. I was able to catch the last, like, four minutes, three minutes of that game, and he was he was lighting it up. James Harden tearing it up in the regular season. We all know he can do it. It's a tradition unlike any other. Let's go to Las Vegas, baby. Let's go to Las Vegas, baby. What's up, homie? What's up? What's up, boys? Trista uh, Crick. Kenny, is he... He's uh, taking a sabbatical. Yeah, we're missing Kenny today, man, but uh, he should be back with us later. Is it too dark in here? Because it's kind of like in the sports book. I'm trying to find. This is probably there. Where are you? Are you? Are you? I'm in the. 
holding my Mandalay Bay. Are you on like a selfie stick or are you just holding your ear? Oh, no, I love no, this. you know, it's felt oh, oh, you Instagram, must look, you must look crazy to passerbys. Like, no, this, I don't care. This is a whole vibe. Like, I, I love all of this. I love the outfit. I love the big sweater. Thank that's you. that's fire. You look, you, you, you look fire. Vegas, Vegas, Trista is the truth. I just need you to land the Miley Cyrus dress and we'll be. I need it. The, Both of them. The the Miley Cyrus dress, which is clearly a tribute to Tina Turner. I need I need I need that. Like, could you imagine first round of the playoffs and I just show up with you guys arm in arm, you know, lots of bling with that Miley Cyrus dress? How the haters will lose their damn minds. Oh, they'd lose it. Yeah. You gotta you gotta <laughs> do the lotioned up. You gotta do the eighties. <laughs> <laughs> You got to do that. I meant me. I didn't I know, mean No, no, anybody. I got you. No, I got you. You got to do the '80s hairstyle too. You got to do the oh, the thing yeah. that Miley did. Yeah, she was she was she was killing it at the Grammys. I was all for it. Yeah, she's great. I don't know how Taylor Swift wins album of the year when her album came out two years ago. Didn't it come out in 2022? It could have come out if it came, and I don't know when it came out. If it came out at the end of 2022, that could be how. Because SZA technically came out at the end of 2022. I see. SZA came out in SZA December. SZA gets a pass. SZA came SZA out in December, and I thought SOS was going to win. That's that's the album that I thought was going to win. I mean, you knew it wasn't because it was oh. going up against Taylor, and there's a lot at play there. There's, I mean, maybe maybe she doesn't win it if Taylor's not in like charge of the universe right now she is yes you know it's interesting really quick on taylor so my friend said uh today he took a political survey like he gets paid to take these like surveys and the it was a right-wing political survey on whether if taylor swift decided to endorse and get girls to vote whether they think she would have them vote Democrat or Republican, and whether they would actually do what she said. So the right wing is terrified of the power of T. Swift. As they should be. I thought it was interesting. As yeah, they, they should, should be, because she could. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. And that's she not, could embolden and, and, and mobilize yeah, millions. I want to be clear. That's not the best thing. Like, I, I hate that about, like, everything is we rely on these endorsements from people who we don't know what they understand about politics at all. But that's just kind of the way we Where are. Where is Jaw? How can he make sense of this? No? Don't remember <laughs> that? Got okay. You, you, Everybody's aware of what I was doing, right? I don't know. Well, we'll find out here shortly in the chatty house. We'll find out here shortly. Okay. How's Vegas so far? How long? Like, when, do, when did you get there? Were you there got for the festivities on, last night? Got in on Sunday. No, we did the show from Mandalay Bay. We're in the... Bed MGM Sportsbook Poker Room in the Mandalay Bay. So it's it's the best MGM Sportsbook on the strip, which is dope. The setting, as you guys can see, this is where uh, the backdrop of our show is. A little empty right this second, but it'll fill up. And then um, we'll do the show from 4 to 8, your time, our time. And that is Monday through Friday. So I did the media, the media day. Okay. Okay. That's Although I would have to. Would have loved that. Would you have asked a serious question or a stupid question? Or no stupid question? Que- stupid oh. question. Yeah. Okay. I remember when I, uh, one of my favorite things I did covering the Super Bowl was the Minneapolis Super Bowl. It was 
what was that? That was Philly. That was that was uh, Eagles Patriots. And I told them all. I was like, I asked a bunch of like set up serious questions, like really like, you know, X's and O's, da da. And I was like, yeah, finally, I just wanted to get your thoughts on um, the recent reports that um, there's some malfunctions with uh, the arena. There's going to be um, a possibility, a strong likelihood that you're going to have to play the Super Bowl with the roof open. It's supposed to be negative 16 degrees on Sunday. Just wanted to get your thoughts on that. I made it up. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and like, I remember Kyle Van Oy was like, oh, no, like, that's just not going to work. Like, or they're going to have to fix that. No. And some other ones were like, oh, it's cool. We play in cold weather in Foxborough all the time, blah, blah, blah. And then I did, I probably asked, I asked Jason Kelsey, I asked probably 30 players. That was my one mission during the media availability was to get everyone to respond. And then I was like, they gave me some BS answer. And at the end, I was like, I'm just kidding. And they're like, thank God. I didn't want my family to get through, like, go through that. I didn't want to go through it. It was great. Are you, you have a chance? Google it. Are you leaning uh, in any direction for Sunday? Oh, I thought, yeah, I am. Chiefs. I've taken. Oh. I've taken Chiefs money line. I've taken Chiefs minus seven. I, Chiefs minus seven is actually plus three twenty, depending on the book that you go to. So I did that. That was one of my very first bets. Oh. I think there's just no scenario to me where Mahomes doesn't win. Unless there's a defensive touchdown for the Niners. And I don't think that's impossible. Mm-hmm. But Mahomes under, oh, wow, we got a Cowboy fan with a Husky walking through the sports book right now. That is incredible. Well, we anyway. Need, is there a way we could see it? Yeah. Because yeah. this, is, this is the beauty of you being so mobile today is we could just we could just take a tour around the Mandalay Bay. We could go see Michael Jackson. Well, yeah, there it Y'all is. Y'all thought I was playing. No, nope, there, Y'all there it thought is. I was playing. Yeah, no, it's a, a beautiful dog. What a fit. Just a tremendous fit. I'm yeah, on uh, yeah. with 1320 yeah, ESPN no, no. right now. Yeah. <laughs> he's got a he's got a harness. That's a Oh, he's got a cowboy rider. harness. Yes. Oh, that is a real okay. Yeah, it's a All right. real one. I'm with it. I'm with it. Yes. That's what I'm talking about. See, but you're at so, Mandalay uh, Bay. You should go see the Michael Jackson show while you're there. I saw Bruno last night. For real? Yes, saw Bruno got the got no plug. Just went on, uh, just went on StubHub. Wow, eleventh row seats for that boy. Wow, me and the crew, my co-host, a good friend from DC came out. Uh, she's walking Emma. God bless her heart. Mm-hmm. And we we saw Bruno. He took our phones, so we had to watch with like you know how they do at the comedy show, and mm-hmm. they close it down and magnetize it or whatever. So that we could just watch him. He came on no, no opening act. Came on at 9.01. Show started at 9. He came on at 9.01, 24 karat. And then shut it all the way down. 11 on the dot. Uh, the encore. Uh, Uptown Funk. Oh, that's And he phenomenal. did incredible. And the way that he, you know, got through different outfit changes and everything. Is he had his band. And the band was awesome. They all had solos. Mm-hmm. So they all had these it's huge orchestral type vibes. Um, there was like a battle of the saxophone versus the electric guitar. They did like Willy Wonka. It was like really big. And another guy did Mozart on the keys. And so he kind of gave them a moment to shine while he was like cooling off. He got on the, on the keys himself and played all of the old songs that he's written. 
And it was like a game called like, do you remember this song? And he was like, yeah, there was this, there's this one song I remember writing. It was just passionate, romantic. And he's like kind of joking around, like gapping and like, tell me what's the passionate song we want to know. I like passion. And it was like, bah, 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 bah. You see you traveling around there with, and you're like, oh, this guy's a clown. This guy's an absolute clown. So it was an amazing show. That's awesome. He he, yeah, did every. He played multiple instruments. He, I, I've seen him once before, but it was worth worth every penny. Yeah, I'd love to see him again. I saw him at the goal. I'd really like to see Silk Sonic. Silk Sonic. That's who I'd like to see. I'd like to see them together. Uh, that's awesome, though. I didn't realize Bruno was still there. That's fire. I'm jealous. I'm jealous. He's here. I think three shows this week. Okay. So yeah, it'll be it'll Man, be them, them 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 residencies who landed that Super Bowl weekend and the weekend before. Hey, salute. Y'all did that. Yeah, y'all did that. All right. So you're leaning towards the Chiefs. Okay. All Not right. lean. I've I've done it. I'm I've there's no lean. You're all in. You're all in on it the is Chiefs. Stamped. Okay. Chiefs minus seven has been stamped. Okay. Has been stamped. There is no changing my mind. Okay. All right. I don't see the problem for me that I can't wrap my head around is this. Defensively, the Chiefs have been just so good Mm -hmm. on the back end, getting pressure, but just really like in coverage, they've been awesome. So I'm wondering, and listen, like if anyone can do it, it's the Niners, right? They can, they're, they're, Rough against the run, so you give the ball to Christian McCaffrey 20 times. That's kind of the way that you have to think about it, hoping for a higher-scoring game. We had, we had Evan Giddings on last night um, to talk about how he thinks the game script should go, and he thinks a higher-scoring game favors, favors the Niners. But listen, the way that the Bills did it, they could have won with a last, you know, whoever gets possession last if you trade blows. That's how you're going to have to do it is three and outs. You're going to have to take, you know, going to have to take advantage of every opportunity that you have and you can't allow the Chiefs to to run away with it like you just can't do that. If they score first and Brock Purdy shook us at all, then in the first quarter and I know he's come back before and that's his thing, but against the Chiefs, I think opponents in general, they almost like psych themselves out. People get almost scared by the myth and the lore of Patrick Mahomes, the Zebras and Travis Kelsey. Hmm. I mean, that's all that's 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 all completely fair. But with a lot of members, I mean, these two teams did play in the Super Bowl four years ago. And as someone who had to sit through a rewatch with two 49ers fans and Kyle Matson and, and, and Kenny Carraway on Friday, they'll all point to the Jimmy Garoppolo 13 10 play. They'll all point to the fact that it seemed like the 49ers had them. And the reason that they didn't is because they gave them an opening. If I'm the 49ers, if I'm like the Nick Bosa's, the Trent Williams, perhaps most importantly the Kyle Shanahan's, I could instill a decent amount of confidence into this team going, yeah, this team is really good against everybody else. But we've got a couple of difference makers on our team who could change the outcome of the last time we were here. thousand percent. I think the, the Chiefs are vulnerable for like three quarters and change, mm. and then something always seems to happen. You always feel like you're right there. Maybe you're the better team. Maybe you had them. And then there's like one play. There's one drive where something fluky happens. You've made a mental error. 
a ref, you know, a call goes against you, something suspect happens and the Chiefs find a way to take that and use it and get a win inexplicably. That's what I think is like their, their greatest attribute is that they shouldn't win a lot of these games and they still find a way to, which is I think if you're the other team or the other team's fans is the most frustrating thing of all. I'm going 49ers and Christian McCaffrey. 49ers win. Christian McCaffrey's the MVP. That's how I think they do it. Um, Christian McCaffrey, you know what you should do is if if Christian McCaffrey becomes the MVP, he's probably scoring three times. Mm. It's nine to one for him to score three times. It's four to one for him to be the MVP. So you might as well bet on him to score thrice. Okay. I won't bet, but That's like I get it. I'm I know you I'm don't down. bet, but if I, you know, I am on the show for betting. Oh, so. that's a news. Ish. That's a news flash Ish. to a lot of people Ish. right well, now. I am inside. Inside. How's you, the chatty house doing? What are we? What are we up to? Chatty house is vibing. Yeah, chatty They're house. Is vibing. We 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 kicking it. Whenever Casey's not here, we just kind of ride together and we just talk. We don't even. We talked about this earlier. We're not media. We're just we're just vibes. We just kick it. I love that. And that's all we the do. The thing man. I love about you guys is that, and I really struggle with this. We're going to have a little, um, we're going to have like a little uh, confession time. Okay. I actually think I'm a better host when I'm a guest. Does that make sense? You know? Sure. You like, can, you, you, you're better... more comfortable steering a conversation when you're. When I'm not actually yeah, yeah. in charge of steering it. I got you. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And you guys are incredible at letting me do that, but also doing it yourself. And having this flow, when I have to steer and I'm like the one hosting an interview, I like, there's just so much going through my brain that it can get a little more like question, answer, question, answer. So I'm like in 2024, 2025, I strive to be y'all. I really do. It's, it, the, 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 rule number one to be D'Lo and Casey is just vibe. And rule number two is remember that this isn't 1990s radio. Like no one is like people got the result of the game. People saw the box score. It got pushed to their phone the second the buzzer went off. Nobody cares about that. They're here for the conversation. They're here for the talking points. They're here to see the guy in the, uh, or at least those on the stream are here to see the guy in the Cowboys uh, outfit with, with, with the Husky in, in the Cowboys walker. Like that's, that's just part of like this business is so personality driven. And if Thank you just, God for that, folks, because I don't know if I'd survive otherwise. Like I'm not sure. What do you no? What do you mean? What you you could if be? If it wasn't a personality based business and we had to be buttoned up, I talked about. But you're Jeff super smart though. Today. Well, that I okay. I don't they know how that happened. On Memphis, they asked me on Memphis radio if Steph would throw the the three point contest so that Sabrina could win it, and I said no, not this year. I don't think he can do that. He's been already been put in a limelight of a submissive role given the fact that um Aisha went on national morning t- tv and said that he asks her for foot picks and that he's got a foot fetish no one asked for it i guess like chatty house probably doesn't didn't know they wanted it now they probably still don't and no. and i said you know if, if a man if a man is is looking for feet photos there's something inside him that there's a power dynamic there. And I don't think outside of the whatever, he's going to want to secede power to Sabrina Ionescu in a three-point goal. All of that to say, 
See, if I wasn't allowed to do that, I'd be fired. No, be fired, it's I good. Can't stop it. I well, can't. I can't not do it. Good for you, because I probably just would have said, yeah, there's no way he's going to let a Nike athlete beat him. But you went a different direction. You just, you just, you just, we, we choose different paths in getting the same point across. But that's fine. Yeah, that's what makes it beautiful. Your mind goes one way, my mind goes another. And we're like, wow, that was actually an interesting thought that I hadn't considered yet. See, but where I think you're very wrong about what you offer is you're really, really sharp. When you get past like the personality stuff and the fun stuff and the foot fetishes or, or the pause jokes and all of that, when it comes to just the game, of basketball or the game of football like you're you're as you're as smart as they come if you had to be you could but that wouldn't be Trista Crick that would be that would be corporate Trista which we experienced once to never experienced it again we realized we can't do the show from the office because there's no. just something about no. the air in there where yeah. it's like, ah, yeah, ah. it doesn't work it doesn't yeah work. see yeah that's that's right it's like 1930s gangster radio that's 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 what it is uh, right there um, we're two days away from the trade deadline. You, are you hearing anything at all? Well, I had Jake Fisher on Saturday for the Monday episode. I don't know if you listened to it, but it feels like it's going to be a very dead deadline. Not a lot. I think the buyers are frustrated. Sellers, there's limited amounts of them with you know quality players. So they're going to try to squeeze by for more value than these players are really even worth. And then buyers will say, you know what, maybe I'm good. And then you guys mm-hmm. can sit with your toxic assets. You can you can cheat Angelo Russell. You can have DeJounte. And I liked it a lot. He balled the other night, like really played well. And that team fun when they're clicking. But I don't need to give you two young players and two first-round picks for DeJounte Murray. Mm-hmm. I don't need to do that. I can just wait for the summer. Our season's probably over anyway. We were making a marginal move to try to make our fan base excited for the last third of the season. So, no, I mean – you'll probably get the guys on expirings moved, right? You'll probably get like the Kelly Olenek go guys that are at the peak of their value might go like a Colin Sexton. I can see getting moved. I talked to Tony Jones about that. He thinks that's a possibility. Um, so I see that, but in terms of like, I can't believe that traded Clay Thompson, like no chance, mm-hmm. yeah. absolutely no way. I don't think Andrew Wiggins gets moved. I don't think Kaminga gets moved. I don't think I don't think, and we talked about this many times. I don't think the Kings do a thing mm-hmm. at all. Because, like, what are you getting back? What What are you doing to make the move? And then, how much better does it really make you? Is there any difference makers there? I don't think so. You've got all the difference makers have already been moved. Dame Lillard moved. Uh, James Harden moved. Terry Rozier, lesser so moved. So well, the Toronto guys, guys we, too, like those deals. Yeah, are OG done. Pascal yeah. moved. You're you're right. So the four or five guys that we really thought were could be moved right now, like if we were waiting on James Harden to be traded right mm-hmm. now, that would be huge. That would be a huge development. Even though we knew it was Clippers, we were waiting for Dame to be traded to the Heat right now. That would be we would be a buzz, <laughs> as they say. But I think kind of all of its all of the air has been taken out because no marquee players are forcing forcing their way out. Yeah, with the Warriors, you mentioned Wiggins, Clay, all of that. Do you buy, we were having this conversation right before you joined us, do you buy the Warriors at all improving three or four games and getting to maybe the upper part of that play and maybe in the eight or nine range? Or are you out on them? 
anything is possible. And when they play really well, when you see those flashes, you see what they can be when Kaminga is really, really clicking, right? When he's got 23, 24 points athletically, looks like he's hard to defend. You know, when Steph hits 10 threes, they're going to win games when Steph hits 10 threes. But there's also a lot of games where Steph goes, you know, or, or not. three first. I think yeah, he, I think he just scored 60 and they lost. Tough. It's a tough situation tough. for Steph right That's now. That's wild, you know? yeah. You just got to rely on those feet picks. And so Ma'am. to get you through the night, you know, the cold through, you know, cold nights on the road. So, no, I don't I don't buy it, but I don't sell on it either, right? If you told me the, the eight seed, I wouldn't be like, oh, I can't believe that that happened. But I'm not banking on it either. And then the question really is, what happens in the offseason when yeah. Steve Kerr is going to want $15 million Yeah. Because – all the other scrubs have gotten $15 million, so why not me and my four championships mm-hmm. plus the ones as a player? If you're not giving me my bread, I'll just go ahead and go home. And then if you're the Warriors and you don't have the continuity of a head coach that's been there through the entire reign, I mean, that you might as well pack it up into a suitcase. You're not having a first-time head coach or a new head coach. Even a Kenny Atkinson, he's not taking over this team, mm-hmm. even though he's kind of been – it feels like he's kind of been in the in lying in the weeds – as a succession plan, to me, why would he turn down those other jobs? No. Kenny Atkinson's not bringing the Warriors back Mm -hmm. to a place of dominance. To me, when the issue really is the the age of the players, how much they've declined, the youth not really being able to be what they thought that they could be, the whole two-timeline approach, to me, feels very flawed. And we've been saying that. They got one ring with the two-timeline, so bad on me. But since then, I'm not convinced. Yeah, I mean, it, it, we leave the Warriors, but it really just depends on what direction. Are you willing to let Clay walk? Are you willing to get rid of Andrew Wiggins? Are you willing to buy completely into Jonathan Kaminga? And you talk about being a dominant team or being a championship caliber team. Those days for the Golden State Warriors are over. To me, it's really more about whether you could be a respectable play-in playoff franchise in Steph Curry's last four or five years or whatever he chooses to play. Because to me, you have the roster capable of doing that. But in your brain, probably because you still have Steph Curry, you still have those components that were a part of your old championships, you still think that's what you are. And you'd be better service letting those go. The question to me, too, is in the quiet moments after the feet picks have already been received, and you're laying in your hotel room on the road, and you're staring at the wall and the, in the ceiling, and, and you know that it's over in Golden State in terms of, like, real contention. You know it. Like, in, in a quiet moment, you know it. Mm-hmm. Are you okay with that? Are you okay as Steph Curry with the continuity of being the best warrior ever, what you've done, riding out in the city, and competing for, like, an eight seed? Are you okay with that for the rest of your career, knowing that that's the only thing you have is maybe a second round situation? Hmm. And then if you're not okay with that, where do you go from there? Is there there a place to go from there? I wonder if Drake got feet picks. No. For sure. That's that's probably a different, it's probably a different conversation. Um, we haven't talked since Domas and De'Aaron didn't make the All-Star team. You Guys, 
I did try to tell you there were snubs coming. Yeah, I don't I think I don't think we thought it was both of them. We had prepared the whole day. They're going it's gonna be one of them. One of them is going to get shut out of this. We thought it was gonna be Domas because they would just lean on De'Aaron being the star, the more popular player, the guy who gets a little bit more attention. I don't think there was a single scenario in the three days leading up to that reserve announcement that we thought neither one of them would make it. Yeah, no, I didn't imagine that Carl Anthony Towns was going to get in. And you could say, well, they're number one in the West, number two in the West, depending on the day. You know, he's had a great year. But truthfully, without Rudy Gobert, if you're talking about two two all-star players on this team, without Rudy Gobert, they're seven seed. Mm. They just are. That's who I all thought right, it was going to be. Like, I, thought, I yeah. thought Rudy might ultimately make it. Same. Same. So I thought, thought if there was a snub, it would be him. You know, obviously, the Paul George we talked about and discussed, he did end up getting in. Anthony Davis. Like, I don't think the Lakers should got should have gotten two. But then you say, okay, well, who's having the better year realistically? Anthony Davis is having the best year, but you can't leave out LeBron. So that's just like a, a matter of logistics mm-hmm. and brand and credibility than anything else, right? And the fans voted him well, in. Well, LeBron, so yeah. Can't really, right. Yeah, can't really do anything about the fans voting him in. Ultimately, though, the thing that I didn't say on my video, but I want to say because I only had you know a minute and 30 seconds before Instagram cuts me off, is like, how dumb are these coaches? How effing stupid are these casuals that we call NBA coaches? I have less faith in them by the day. Mm. Yeah. I want everyone to ask. I want, if I was in my tomfoolery at the pressers, I would be asking, Trista Crick, Odyssey Sports, BetQL Network. Uh, just wanted to know, did you vote for Demonis Sabonis and De'Aaron Fox for All-Star? And then let them say no. And then say why. Yeah, we And then we, see what they say. A thousand percent. Because our thing was, we think they'd lie. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. Oh, yeah, no, they're definitely and then, All-Stars. And like, then by the are time. Are All-Stars to you? Yeah, and then by the time a month passes, you have like 16 coaches saying they voted for for Tomas and De'Aaron. It's like when I went to uh, Michael Chase uh, stand-up in the All-Star game in New Orleans, and he's like, uh, raise your hand if you voted for Trump. And he's like, and no one raised their hand. He goes, that's statistically impossible. Like, this yeah. is, like, that's, in terms of how this thing shook out nationwide, that's impossible that you guys aren't live. That's amazing. I love Michael Chase. That's fantastic. What are you doing tonight? We're doing the show, 4 to 8. Then I'm going to try to get dinner. Maybe meet up with some folks, go out. My co-host, he's been in the poker room two nights straight. Uh, saw the big boss, the big bad, like at 6.30 in the morning and 3.30 in the morning. Oh, wow. Um, that's, that's when that guy was waking up and he had not been to sleep yet. So we'll see if we can keep that train of moving. That's what's up. Well, we love you. Thanks for joining us from Vegas. We appreciate it. And we'll be following everything you're doing. And we'll connect next week. Love y'all. Go Chiefs. All right. Wow. Wow. She's doing it. Go Chiefs. That's incredible. <laughs> Thanks, TK. <laughs> you will you stop. <laughs> you wild. You got to go. Vegas Trist, right, Vegas Trist is different. We'll come back. Uh, Stealing with KC brought to you by Sky River Casino here on Sacramento Sports Leader ESPN 1320. Yeah. Oh, Mr. Tapia says hit up the oldest bar in Vegas. 
Atomic Liquor. All right. I follow. So what happened is, so I I, I was telling the, the chatty house during the commercial break. Obviously, we just talked to Trista Crick live in Las Vegas covering the Super Bowl, doing Bell and Heat Check and all of the tremendous uh, shows that she do does uh, out there, you know, with the sports book. That's all fantastic. I was telling the chatty house, going back to the trip that I took in August, I think I've done a little bit of a baby face turn on Vegas. It was never a trip I liked. Casey would always say, let's go to Vegas, let's go to Vegas, let's do the show from Vegas, blah, 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 and be like, nah, man, I'm good. It's not my bag. Now I very much think it's my bag. I really do enjoy uh, Las Vegas, and I started following, like, I think, see, this is the crazy about TikTok is I don't really use it that often, but, you know, I'll scroll through it when I'm, you know, doing nothing, commercial break, or I'm not intrigued by whatever's on TV, and, like, you you hit the heart on something, boy, it changes your whole algorithm, and I hit the heart on, like, this one Las Vegas video come up. Now I get served, this restaurant in Las Vegas, go to this bar in Las Vegas, these are the best resorts in Las Vegas, this is the best this in Las Vegas. And now I feel like I've, like, every night I'm seeing, go to the, 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 the steakhouse, go to the, uh, you know, this atomic liquor bar or whatever it is, and... Uh, yeah, I've turned I've turned I've turned on I've turned on Vegas. Like I like it. I'm I'm super excited for the trip uh next month, but I think a a yearly Vegas trip is something I'm going to start to do more. Still not going to gamble, but if there's a show there that I want, like we're even I don't know if this was announced yet. Let me cuz we we were supposed to announce something on KSFM today and I don't know if it actually got announced yet. It did. So the Usher tour has been announced. This is obviously a big week for Usher. Uh, album drops on Friday. Super Bowl halftime performance on on Sunday. Uh, Usher announced his tour. Um, we're going to be giving away tickets over on 102.5 KSFM. Brilliantly, tickets don't go on sale until Monday, the day after the Super Bowl. But, and this has pissed us off quite a bit recently, Usher... Not at the Golden One Center. Usher's not even at the Chase Center. Usher's at Oakland. He's in Oakland. And we just announced Justin Timberlake recently at the SAP Center in San Jose. And so we have all of these shows, particularly these hip-hop, these R&B shows, that are going to, you know, Drake did a couple of days in San Francisco. And I know why they're not at the Golden One Center. And shame on the Golden One Center because y'all need to fix this. This is embarrassing. That Sacramento is getting passed up for that. I saw Justin Timberlake the last time he was here. We got Justin Timberlake at the SAP Center in San Jose. We didn't even get passed up for the for 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 the dental office in San Francisco. We got passed up for the hockey arena. Hey, if any of our people at the Golden One Center are listening, shame on you. Fix this. It's a problem. But now Kenny and I are so agitated. We're like, yo, screw it. We're not going to the Bay. We're not going to Oakland. We're not, we're gonna if if we gotta if we gotta make a desti- if we gotta have a destination for a show. KC's like, I'm going to L.A. I'll just go watch it somewhere in L.A. <laughs> cool. I'm going to Vegas. And so I hit up when we when we got alerted of the tour. I hit up Complex. Yo, when is Usher in Las Vegas? And then I got hip to the game, and this was brilliant. Loop. I should have seen this coming. Usher's not performing in Vegas. Not because of the residency he just did, but because of the residency he's about to do. So once this tour is over, he's going back to his Vegas residency. 
So now all of these shows that aren't coming to Sacramento and they're golden, they're going to, uh, I call it the dental office so often. What is that freaking, Chase the Chase Center. They're going to the Oakland Arena. Now they're going to the SAP Center, for God's sakes. Now it's just like, forget it. I'll go to Vegas. Kenny's going to go to L.A. because we know how much he loves L.A. Uh, shout out to our man, KC. Okay, Lake Show. I'm going to Vegas, man. And Usher performing. in Now that, that one's a little bit different. Usher's performing in Oakland. He's not going to Las Vegas, but he's performing on a Saturday. So I might do that. Like Justin Timberlake's in San Jose on a Monday. I love JT, and unless my sister makes me go, I ain't going. Driving to San Jose on a Monday. Child, please. Golden One Center should be ashamed of themselves. It has something to do with like a relationship with Live Nation. They got to fix this. This is so embarrassing. You got one of the premier arenas in the country. You got one of the premier arenas in any city in Sacramento, and you can't book major acts here. Awful. Drake did two days in San Jose, and or two days in San Francisco, and nothing in Sacramento. Travis Scott, two days in Oakland, sold out the Golden One Center the last time he was here. Didn't even step in the building. Nicki Minaj kicks off her tour in the Bay Area, doesn't even roll through Sacramento. Absolutely embarrassing for that arena and for this city. That needs to be fixed because it didn't used to be like that. Whoever used to handle everything at the Golden One Center was flawless. You let off with Paul McCartney. You, you, you got a WWE pay-per-view here on your second night. You had all of these. You had every major act rolling through here. Kendrick Lamar, been here a couple of times, didn't miss. Now you're missing out on everything. And it's the two shows that pisses me off. Two shows from Travis Scott in Oakland, nothing here. Two shows from Drake in San Francisco, nothing here. That pisses me off. They've got to be better. The people who run that venue have to be better. And if you got to make some concessions to get back in good with Live Nation, you need to do it. Because this is ridiculous. But we were talking with Trista, not just about Las Vegas, but about the trade deadline upcoming. And she seems to think, and I actually think she's right, the major moves have already been made. And it'd be tough to make a deal that's bigger than the Pascal Siakam deal. We've waited like a year and a half for that, right? It's going to be tough to make a deal uh, for for b- b- bigger than OG and Anobi. We've been waiting two years for that. But I think this ultimately is going to come and go, and it'll be very similar to last year. Maybe a, a, a minor move will be made. Maybe no move will be made. And I wonder, I wonder if the trade deadline being over is actually a good thing for the Sacramento Kings. Because it doesn't feel like right now that the guys who have been mentioned in trade conversations, be it legitimate or fan-created, Barnes, Herter, Davion Mitchell, it doesn't feel like any of them are struggling, at least not because of an impending trade deadline. Like Kevin Herter, for the most part, has played really well. You know, his scoring still kind of goes up and down, but I don't think we've seen, oh, man, Kevin Herter was terrible. We've seen games where Kevin Herter was terrible where you just had to pull him from games because he wasn't doing anything out there. That, or Mike felt like he was doing nothing and he had to pull him from games. That that hasn't happened recently. We got this new, this brand new version of Harrison Barnes out there that's cooking. 
And I don't even know how realistic any trade stuff that was out there. Clearly there was something with Siakam, right? There's no, there's no like maneuvering. It was pretty obvious. Like Toronto was here. There were reports of conversations. Uh, There were reports of trade discussions. There are even specific reports as to why the deal fell apart or as to, 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 to why Sacramento wasn't able to land that deal. That's the only only trade scenario where Herter and Barnes both were likely involved. Outside of that, there's been little to no indication Mike Brown has any interest in trading Harrison Barnes. Kevin Herter's different, though. And I think Mike Brown has had some missteps along the way with Kevin Herter, and perhaps part of that is because he really thought they might have something in Chris Duarte. It turns out they didn't. I mean, just not criticizing, just by the fact he's getting DMPs, and Mike's not going to him anymore. The whole, you know, could, 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 could Chris Duarte take over in the starting position for defensive purposes? Nope. Ain't going to do that. We tried that. We tried that, and it didn't work. But there's something about Kevin Herter that I just don't think Mike loves. And I think he wants to love a player at that two-guard position. But I don't know who the ideal player is. And it might not be an ideal player at the two-guard position. It might be the Kyle Kuzma situation where we put Kyle Kuzma in the starting lineup. You move Harrison Barnes to the bench. You put Malik Monk into the starting lineup. Maybe that gives Mike what he wants. I'm not sure. But... If this trade deadline goes as quietly as we think it might, that could be a positive uh, for Sacramento. We'll talk more about that, and I'll tell you why I was worried, or check that, why I am worried about this Detroit game a little more than some of you are. That's coming up here. We're dealing with Casey Return on Sacramento Sports Leader ESPN 1320. Uh, Jason Jones set to join us coming up in about 30 minutes or so. If you want to get in on the phone lines, you definitely can. Now would be a perfect time to do it. 916-909-1320. Appreciate you tapping in. If you're on the Odyssey app, 98.5 FM HD2. Shout out to everybody on 1320 AM. Uh, and, of course, the chatty house here on Twitch, YouTube, Twitter, uh, and that's it. Twitch, YouTube, and Twitter. That's it. We appreciate y'all. We'll get reconnected to Facebook at some time. but Yeah, we'll deal with them when we get to them. It's another. We don't really need to be on Facebook. We're just fine over here in our, our happy world of, of YouTube and Twitch. Um, we're having a conversation, uh, lots of feedback during the uh, uh, commercial break about the impending trade deadline. And there's a, a, a couple of points worth, worth bringing up. I had mentioned that I, I feel like once this, once this thing kind of comes and goes, once this trade deadline kind of comes and goes, and I feel ultimately like that's what's going to happen uh, for Sacramento. I feel like that might be what happens around the league. You're seeing so much lying and posturing through these reports that it's clear everyone probably is just standing still because they've either grossly, overvalued a particular player or they're putting in motion something for the off season or, and this is what I'm leaning to the most, they never really had any intentions of someone 
unless they could get a ridiculous haul for him. Like this whole Alex Caruso, we want the OG and Anobi deal. Sir, sit your ass down. You're not getting that. Alex Caruso, fine ball player, very good defender. Stop it. You want you want multiple picks. Stop it. But that's that's all what this that's all what this is. It's posturing. And then you recognize a lot of these teams will feel like, well, we we, we can't backtrack on this, so we just won't trade the guy because that's stupid. Would the Chicago Bulls look if they traded Alex Caruso for Davion Mitchell in a second round pick or Davion Mitchell in two second round picks? Like, hold up, that's not what y'all said a month ago. Y'all said you wanted the OG and an OB deal. Davion Mitchell in two second round picks isn't gonna land me OG and an OB. But that's what these people do. They just they 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 throw stuff out there, hope it sticks, or hope somebody gets desperate and they wind up getting that asking price. Is the is the trade market broken? Do you think broken? I, yeah, because I feel like more so about the value and stuff like that. Because I think we can just tie it into the Rudy Gobert deal because that was the massive one. Everything's been kind of messed up since. I feel like ever since they gave up five first round picks for Rudy, like now the team, like now we're gonna have to say, well, yeah, we want a couple first round picks for Alex Caruso or something like that, or you want the OG deal. Like I feel like with all these it's, players, like even Dorian Finney-Smith, we saw the reports that the Nets were turning down two first-round picks for him. So here's here. Okay, so here's the thing with all of that. Let's go to uh, was it OG? Did I think it was Zach Lowe? Shout out Zach Lowe. He's as good of a connected NBA guy as there is. But wasn't Zach Lowe the one who said? that the Raptors turned down like four or five first-round picks for OG Ananobi? Isn't that out there somewhere? I can't remember. That there's some sort of like, it's an absurd number. It's not two, and I don't even think it's three. Honest to God, I think it's four. Like Toronto turned down four picks. I'll ask you all in all seriousness, do you believe that? That's, that's, That's what all of this stuff is. You really believe that that's true? So who's putting those reports out there? So where do you think those reports are coming from? I have no idea. I have no idea. I I don't think because what I do, here's what I don't think it is. I don't think it's, and and, and I'm just, I'm I'm just going to use this individual as, as, as the example. I don't think Messiah Jiri called um, Zach Lowe and said, we turned down four first round picks for OG and Anobi. It could be an agent. It could be Rich Paul trying to up the or well, I don't think it's Rich Paul anymore, but it could be it could be an agent trying to up the value of their client. Client wasn't traded. You want to keep that value high. You want to make it look really, really good. You get that out there. Oh man, I heard, and you could always frame it as, man, I heard, I heard Masai said no to four picks. I heard you could always frame it a certain way. And that's what I feel all of this stuff is, is framing. Minnesota made a deal for the player they felt was a game changer for them. So they did it. And it, and you're absolutely right. I think it screwed up the market for a minute. Because we, like, we can point out the, um, we can just call them rumors or whatever, but I feel like even with these rumors too, it's just like, oh yeah, so-and-so, you're going to have to give up four first-round picks for them. It's ridiculous. Maybe. But it's like like back then, it wasn't always like, the value wasn't always like, like so discussed like that. Rudy Gobert is clearly the outlier, right? Because Kevin Durant, you can make sense of. It's Kevin Durant. like And he was traded, I think, for four. You can make sense of that. 
there aren't very many players in the league that you can make sense for trading for first-round picks for. And in Minnesota's case, Minnesota was in Minnesota was in one of those cases where what's it going to take to get Rudy Gobert? Oh, it's going to it's to get to get him off of Utah. Oh, it's going to take a bunch of picks. Like that's what it's going to take. Well, Minnesota's like, "Cool. We have them and he's the player who's going to fix things for us." So here's the deal. And they feel like we're not going to be outbid by anybody cuz we believe he's the guy who's going to get us to the to the number 1 seed in the Western Conference. And it was laughed at, it was ridiculed, it was destroyed. But here they are, whether you agree with the deal or not, he's a huge part of the reason why that team is number one in the Western Conference. But that was a team who was desperate to make that deal and wasn't indicative of the actual trade market. Yeah, I get what you're saying right there. And so I feel like it's leveled a little bit out because I thought the Toronto-New York deal was fantastic. The the OG and Anobi. I thought that was, I thought that was no, a, not, um, yeah, 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 was that one? Yeah, that, yeah. that was it. Yeah. I thought that was a. I, I I thought that worked. It worked for what Toronto wanted, and it worked for what obviously New York wanted. OG and Anobi. They know what direction they're going with him moving forward. And I don't think the Siakam deal is ridiculous either, given the fact that they have the ability, and everyone is obviously well aware that he's going to re-sign with them in the off season. That's fair. If Alex Caruso does go for two first round picks, though, I'm we're going, I quit. We're, we're, we're going back. Yeah. Oh my God, I quit. Like this. This league is. Br- so that will answer your question. If Alex Caruso goes for multiple first-round picks, yeah, the league's broken. Either that or we just don't know basketball anymore. Because I'm trying to figure out, I can rationalize the Rudy Gobert thing. Like, I get why they saw it. Part of the reason I get it is because we're seeing it. Like, I get it. Whether I agree with it or I think it was the right, whatever, like, I get it. I don't know how a coach or a general manager rationalizes Alex Caruso being the difference in our team going from here to here, going from mid-tier to top, which is essentially what Minnesota did with Rudy Gobert. I, I need to hear from the general manager who makes that deal and says, this is this is the case. Alex Caruso is going to get us from a sixth or a seventh spot to a one spot. That's why we gave up all those draft picks. You think we could see like a – like? An Alex Caruso bidding war, kind of back to the great Hassan Whiteside bidding war. Oh, shout like, out, just cause, like, like, hear me out. Just because um, Siakam's been traded, OG's been traded. Like, the bigger names are gone. There's probably not much on the market out there. You think we could see teams maybe do overpay? Yeah, I love that you said hear me out as if you were going to mute yourself like you were a caller. That's fantastic. Um, Jesse, let me cook for a second. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, for sure. Like, But again, it goes back to what I – who – who, what team does Alex Caruso change the fortunes of? And again, I would, I don't, I don't know that I would have argued Rudy Gobert is going to change the fortunes of any team in, in the NBA. But there's enough evidence to say whatever, whatever the Timberwolves are trying to execute, it's working. I just, I. I would just need to hear from the general manager who said, hey, Alex Caruso's the one. This is the one that's going to take us here from, you know, six, seven, eight to solidly one or two. Yeah, Monty McNair was at the podium, said I gave up the two first-round picks and Kevin Herter for Caruso because I thought it'd take us over the hunt. Need to hear it. I need to to hear it. And like Minnesota, I'm going to need to see it. Yeah. Yeah, that's a tough thing with Minnesota, too. That took you a year and a half. It took time. Yeah, it took time. And you were laughed at for a good stretch of that time.
But kudos to them. They stayed the course. They went through their coaching change, which obviously that got a certain level of controversy to it. But it's 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 it has gotten them to this point right now where they are competing for the top spot in the Western Conference. The problem with them now also is when the playoffs get here, what are you going to do? Like because you're graded differently because of that trade. Like you're you're getting all of the darling media attention because they all had your back for whatever reason. I have no idea why, but they all had your back through all of this. Well, at some point you you get to one, two, but you lose in round one. That's not going to be the return on four first round picks. Getting to the regular season, getting the to the top of the conference in the regular season. That's not going to get you the return on four first-round picks. You're going to have to be, or five or whatever it was, you're going to have to be successful in the postseason to get that return. And you can't have a situation over the next, it's obviously not going to happen this year, but you can't have a situation over the next two years or three years where Utah passes you. Yeah, I know. That's not good. Yeah, because if Utah passes you, that's, that's a problem. So, so you mentioned earlier in the show too that you're fine with them not making a deal coming up, but the off season, like, like it's go time. Well, yeah, like at some point, if you don't do anything right now, at some point, if you're Monty McNair, you have to decide how are we moving forward. And I think, I don't think it's as simple as saying, okay, look, we're a 47, 48, 49 win team. We know. That's the floor of this team. You could have rationalized that to me last year. You could have said, at at worst, this team is going to win 47, 48, 49 games next year. I would have believed you. I think you're really pushing your luck, saying we're going to run it back again and that we're going to be a 47, 48, 49 win team because you already have the situations that we outlined where Oklahoma City is better. Oklahoma City is better than I thought they would be at, at this time frame, right? So I could see them being just as good as they are right now next year. Minnesota, we'll see. The Clippers, we'll see. Denver, I expect to be there. Phoenix, because the, I don't know. What does New Orleans do next? What do the Lakers do next? What do the Dallas Mavericks, can the Dallas Mavericks string anything together in an offseason that makes them better? What are we aiming for if the Kings don't make a move for the rest of the season? What is what is the goal? What is what are, like what's the fifth? End? For me, it's being in the top six, a solidified playoff spot. So if they're Get, top six, we're leaving the season just like we feel like good about this year, like progress, like not progress is made. Well, no, so like you know what I'm you know what I mean. I'm not going to be see this is this is difficult. Obviously, I want them to win in the postseason. I think the circuit, like, what's the context to the postseason matchup? And I think my point is, too, is like Mike Brown before the season was talking, we want to be championship contenders. That's our goal and stuff like that. You're, I'm, call it what it is. This mm-hmm. team is not going to the finals if they don't make any move at the trade deadline. So it's like the goal was championship or whatever. Well, not championship, but to be championship contenders. You're obviously not that. So what is our goal for this season then if, we're not, if, the, if the moves aren't being made? Is it to get to the second round? Is it just maybe another year where you just get another playoff round under your belt and you're more experienced? Like, what's the goal then? Well, when you when you say for us, are you talking about like us, like in conversations? Or are you talking about what Mike says to them? Because Mike, it's well, just Mike's, like Mike's stay gonna, the course, yeah, keep winning. Mike's like, gonna say the same thing. But I guess I think we we expect them to maybe 
I don't want to say expected him, but like you know, we had that. They, Mike said it, so that was our expectation. So he, we can change our expectations now. Mike probably won't. If so, what, what are we changing it to then? If if the Kings are a top six team, and just looking at the records, given you know where Oklahoma City and in, in, in Minnesota and the Clippers and the Nuggets are at, if if the Kings stay in this fifth or sixth spot, it probably puts them in the vicinity of the 47, 48, 49 wins. And they're probably not going to be in a position like they were last year where they can take the final week of the season off. So you now have an entire 82-game sample size where you say this team is exactly like last year's. So to me, a first-round exit shouldn't be looked down upon. It's not a wasted year, you don't think? Absolutely, It's absolutely not a wasted year. It's not the ideal outcome for a year, but it's absolutely not a wasted year, yeah. in my opinion. Uh, that, that, that's fair because I think what my thing is just kind of I'm wondering what the timeline is right here with this team. Like I'm not necessarily trying to rush them, but more so you got Fox. Like they didn't make the All Star game; it is what it is. But Fox and Sabonis just tearing it up this season. Sabonis near career high numbers. Fox, I think same thing. You got Keegan or whatever developing. It's just like you gotta you gotta pounce like, on it. You, you don't want to become the Atlanta Hawks. Too. So the so the tough thing is. And I think they're already having a better follow-up season than the Atlanta Hawks did. Like, Oklahoma City, I think, is is back in a position to be kind of where they are, at least in the vicinity of where they are, a top-four team, we'll say. I think the same is probably true for Minnesota, right? They have a timeline that they're probably, you know, they, they have a timeline that they want to uh, help stretch and build them to be, an NBA champion, a Western Conference champion, you know, a, a, a contender year after year. When you talk about timelines and you talk about right now moments, I think the Clippers are in a right now moment because you're 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 getting through a season with Kawhi at top player in the league levels, healthy. You're getting Paul George healthy. You're getting the best version of James Harden you might get. You're getting a uh, a. Uh, a perfect in his role and completely understanding of the situation, Russell Westbrook. You have a solid foundation of a squad around those guys. To me, when you talk about now, timelines, right now, that's the Clippers. I don't even know if Phoenix is in a right, right now timeline. They might have another year, maybe with the Clippers, it feels like there's so much uncertainty. There's uncertainty with their coach. They're right now. The Sacramento Kings, even the Denver Nuggets, I don't feel like they're right now. I think Denver can continue to be good. Obviously, Denver has been – they've been to the mountaintop. They've been the champion. They can they can see where the chips fall. And if it doesn't fall with Champagne and the Larry O'Brien, okay, what do we need to do to address? Like, they're – They've hit their they've hit their timeline right now. It's trying to maximize it. When How do say, we keep this? When you see teams are like in a right now phase, you mean like it's ring or bust this season? You've got to win a championship. I got you. Yeah, like the the and there aren't very many. That that was the point. Like I don't think Oklahoma City is that. I don't think Minnesota, despite all of the draft capital that they gave up, is that. But Minnesota, like Sacramento, Oklahoma City's in a completely unique situation like they're in a completely different situation because of how young they are how much draft capital they have how many assets they have and how much flexibility they have so they're in a completely different you know timeline tier than everybody else they have tons of time but Minnesota Minnesota I think is a lot like Sacramento where to me 
hey, salute, Minnesota, you're here. But, like, it's not it's not now. It's not like, oh, my God, if they don't do it, man, what a failure. But next year, this offseason, if they fall short, okay, what are you going to do about it? Like, what are what step forward are you going to take? Because you have a couple of years together. One, I think you would constitute as a failure. The other one, should they finish in this general vicinity, you could constitute as more of a success. But this team was built to win championships. How are we getting there? Sacramento is the same thing. Those are the two teams that I think, like, if you don't have a – they're not in a right now, this second timeline. But this offseason, what are you doing to take it, assuming those two teams fall short of of, of an NBA Finals – what steps are you taking to get better? Yeah, I think the eagerness comes from, too. Like, with Sacramento, it's not a matter of we need to, like, see them play out the rest of the season. I think all of us can agree that we know what this team needs. You just don't know whether it's a Kyle Kuzma or Jeremy Grant, but you know, like, what the next move is. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yes. So it's kind of like, like, yeah. like I get, like, the waiting and stuff like that, but it's just like, it's, it's right there, you know? Mm-hmm. Like that, that next step you will, you're ready to take is just right there, is just waiting for the move. But can yeah. you take it? Like, can you, can you, because, because you can't take that on your own. You need somebody to take that step yeah, with you. Yeah, that's where Monty's got to work. And that's, and that's where, and that's where Monty McNair comes into play. Um, there's likely no conversation about the draft this year. Uh, cause I think this, this, if, if my year's right, this goes to Minnesota, uh, Atlanta and finalizes the Kevin Herter stuff. And then you, you know, you keep it moving. So you, whatever work you do, you do through the trade deadline or, or excuse me, you do through free agency or you do through trades. That's all you do. That's all you have. That's all you have the ability to do uh, because you don't have draft capital to work with unless you do something in a trade. But getting this over with, I'm all for getting this, this trade deadline over with this, 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 this feels boring and it doesn't feel like it's going to be super impactful. And I'll tell you the truth. If if the Kings were to acquire, and we'll, we'll, we'll use either one of those names, Kyle Kuzma or Jeremy Grant, I don't think anything changes for me this year. What do you mean? I don't think my expectations for this year change. I don't think it's, oh, now, wow, they went and got Kyle Kuzma. Now they got to win a playoff series. See, I, it switches for me. If, if they were to trade for a Grant or Kuzma, I wouldn't, yeah, you got to get to the second round, I think. I think they have to at least be, they have to continue to win games. I think they have to stay in the top six. But to me, the true pressure of any deal they make, especially a sizable one like that, kicks in next year. I got you. Yeah, I think it changes for me this year just because I think this team's already capable of getting to the – like, I think, like, as it is, say they don't make a trade, I think this team is top six team, playoff, or first-round team, first-round exit, I'll say. I don't think they're getting to the second round. So that's, thing, so that's why I say if you add a grant or a Kuzma, I think that's where it's like, okay, we made the improvement. Now let's go take the progress. And that's the, the, the tough part about this because right now they're five. So that's a, that's a, it's a four-five, right? Yeah. That's Denver. I don't hate it. <laughs> I don't hate it, but I don't. I like their chances. But like we talked about it yesterday, I think. I, like I don't. I'd rather they. Be, I'd rather it be four or five than them be six and them playing the Clippers. Yeah, and if it, I think if it came down to it, I'd rather see them against the Timberwolves or the Thunder, like we talked about yesterday. Yeah, and either of those teams could beat the Kings in a seven-game series. Like we feel good about the Thunder. We feel like that's a great matchup for Sacramento, and it's just one of those things. Especially, you know, we see it in the head-to-head matchups during the regular season. We see that. Kings play the Thunder well. And that's how I feel about Denver. I feel like the Kings play the Nuggets well, 
But the the flip side to all of that, shout out Casey, uh, the flip side to all of that is this is different. It's not a regular season game once, you know, every two months. It's a succession of games against the same team who's adjusting and game planning for no one other than you. And that's different. And that's where I, I try to pump the brakes a little bit when I feel like, oh, Kings actually match up really well with Denver. Yeah, they match up really well with them in the regular season. Kings and Oklahoma City match up together really well in favor of Sacramento. Yeah, they do that in the regular season. And when we look at, like, say, the Clippers, I can't envision a scenario where, oh, no, the Kings, you know, the Clippers got the Kings in the regular season, boy, but once we get to the playoffs, like, that's a matchup I hate. Hate, hate, hate for Sacramento. But these are, like, we're talking a half a game difference between those top four teams. We're talking a half a game difference between six, uh, excuse me, five, six, and seven. There's a lot of movement to be made. There could be movement uh, as soon as tonight. Um, you got Phoenix uh, uh, against the Bucks. If the Suns are able to grab that one, all right, the Kings are in six. You got Dallas and Brooklyn. Dallas won last night. They're tr- they're trying to make their way you know, trying to make their way up. You got Minnesota and Chicago. That feels like easy work for Minnesota. Oklahoma City has Utah, but, you know, you get, you know, one one win for a top team, one loss for a top team, and, again, you got to shake up. These, these standings for the top four are going to constantly be moving. These standings for five, six, and seven, they're going to constantly be moving. Every single night that these teams play, there's going to be movement in the standings moving forward. So, so no matter, like, even if Grant gets here, you're not, like, the top four solidified to you? I think the top four is solidified. Yeah, I just, I just I, because, and, and, and I'll go back to, to, to what I was saying yesterday. Out of the Thunder, because it's not just the Kings playing better, it's one of those teams falling back. And we're talking a five game difference now. It's a five game difference between, uh, it's a five game difference between Denver and Los Angeles. It's a five and a half game difference between. Uh, Minnesota and Oklahoma City. So out of those four teams, at the same time that the Kings are playing really well, that would ha- arguably have to be at their highest level, which one of those four teams are going to be playing at what would probably be their worst level? I mean, the Clippers have the Clippers had se- they, they, they they had lost seven straight at one point, and they haven't looked back. Yeah, Denver and the o- Clippers, they feel like the two teams for sure. OKC steady, Minnesota steady, Denver steady. You have to get into scenarios where you're talking about, and it's, you know, obviously you don't want anything like this to happen. Does something happen to Joel? Or, do, excuse me, does something happen to uh, Jokic? Does does something happen to Shea? Does something happen to Ant-Man? Like, that's, that's, what, we're, that's what we're talking about. Because I can't see any of those teams having a, a stretch bad enough to cause a five to six game swing. Yeah, I get that. I think if I had to pick one, I think it'd be OKC. Minnesota, I think what with um what saves not saves them, what helps them is that they're defense. They're one of the few teams in yeah. this league that play defense. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm with you on the on the Thunder. The Thunder is the one that I keep thinking, you know, the Thunder's gonna they're gonna have like a four or five game losing streak. And they just don't. They just don't. And that's probably how people felt about Sacramento. So I'm not gonna Sacramento last year, so I'm not gonna put that on uh, I'm not going to put that on Oklahoma City. We'll come back. Uh, Jason Jones is going to join us here. Jason Jones from The Athletic. Medina and Casey return on Sacramento Sports Leader ESPN 1320. 
Um, sorry guys. I'm uh scrambling because there's a little issue over on the KSFM side for the second time in like the last week, and I caught it. I needed to catch it like five minutes earlier, but I caught it too late, so I just gotta shoot a note to Complex to let them know the system is ass. It's fine. Juggle. I gotta be honest with y'all. Juggling two stations. Is just- I won't tell anyone that. Like, I won't tell anyone in charge. Hey, is everything okay? Everything good? No, this is, this is a lot harder than I thought. Especially because I hate this three o'clock hour. Like, I hate that we have to an hour of a show. Like, we can't do it live, and it seems like something goes wrong in that hour. Uh, um, eh, sorry, I'm so sorry. I'm so so sorry. All right, taken care of. Um, Jason Jones going to join us here in just a heartbeat. He doesn't care that I'm struggling with what's going on over at KSFM. I mentioned this a minute ago. Suns play the Bucks on TNT tonight, and there's going to be a, a lot of movement in the five, six, and seven position uh, moving forward. Dallas, that was another frustrating thing. Again, it's I'm not mad at 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 at, at Sacramento for losing last night against Cleveland, but man, like Dallas won, the Lakers won. Those are teams that are behind Sacramento. Um, So that's trash. And I told you, man, I don't like this Detroit game. I don't like the Detroit game, not because of the stupid excuse about uh, uh, first game back from a long road trip. It's more, I'm thinking more about the trade deadline. Like, I don't I like if a deal, just think about it. Like if a deal is done today or tomorrow, the Kings are shorthanded for the record. I don't think one will be, but they're shorthanded. And then if a deal's not, but there's like rumors out there, you got to wonder how the, now, even if there aren't rumors, those guys could be like, yo, I just want tomorrow to come and go. I just, I just want it to be, what is it? Is it noon our time? I just want it to be noon tomorrow. Let's just get this nonsense over with and keep it moving. I don't think any. It, while I think that's human nature and that could absolutely happen, I don't think I don't think any deals are jumping off tomorrow or or the next day. I think it's going to be a nice, quiet, calm trade deadline. We already saw OG Ananobi traded. We already saw Pascal Siakam traded. I'm not. Hey, we're 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 good. Tim Bontemps. Uh, five-month-long uh, crusade for the Cavs to trade Donovan Mitchell. Not working. Cavs are cooking. Hottest team in the league. Donovan Mitchell, MVP caliber player. That ain't working. Cleveland Cavaliers, I think, based on a conversation we had yesterday, perhaps a landing destination for LeBron James should he lo- choose to leave. I was, I, that, I, that, I was fixated on that conversation when our show ended yesterday. Like, because I think LeBron walks onto the Cleveland Cavaliers, title contender. LeBron walks onto the New York Knicks, like title contender. And I don't mean, like, any any team LeBron is on, at least in the moment, theoretically, is a title contender. But those teams are set. Like, those two teams are really good. That's the two and the four seed right now in the Eastern Conference. Put LeBron on those teams now. And yeah, I could, I could, I could absolutely see either one of them being better than the Boston Celtics next year. 
being better than the Boston Celtics in a seven game series. You know when LeBron goes to a new team, there'll be a there'll be a uh oh this this isn't quite working out the way that we thought. Oh, it's it's it's, it's something's off. Something's something's falling short. And then the trade deadline, things will get really loud and then the trade deadline will come and go and he'll be off and running. Or that team will be off and running. Which makes me wonder, is that what we see with the Los Angeles Lakers? My guess is no. My guess is no only because I feel like I've seen a lot of these Los Angeles Lakers games and I just feel like they're a struggle. Like they're hit or miss. Like they're 27 and 25. Is it, <laughs> we, 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 we joke about some of the stuff LeBron James says, but like he was right. The they are what their record is. At the time, they were twenty four and twenty five. They've won three games since, but it's like they're they dropped two. They dropped their next two. Was anybody shocked? That's what the Lakers have been all year. The Lakers, I feel like, are their record. It's the way I feel about the Sacramento Kings. The Sacramento Kings are their record. There's a few teams where I. Dallas, I've mentioned that. Like Dallas, I'm I'm not sure what Dallas is. I felt like Dallas really, really overachieved at the start of the season, and I don't think it's fully caught up with them. If Dallas wound up closer to a 500 team, plus two maybe. I don't want to say plus or minus two because I don't think they'd be that bad. I'll go plus two. No, I wouldn't be surprised at all. We're at the point in the season where you just have to start looking at these teams for exactly what they are, uh, as we bring in our man Jason Jones of the Athletic. Jay, appreciate you as always. Uh, we were talking about your Los Angeles Lakers. You guys have won three straight. You got uh, uh, hourglasses being posted on Twitter. The trade <laughs> deadline is two days away. I, I made the argument a moment ago that the Lakers are what their record is. Like, how close is that to reality, or does this team have another gear that they could hit? I mean, I think they really are what their record. I mean, this is what they are, they, but they've been at least. I think they can play better, but I don't know if there's a move out there that's going to all of a sudden transform them at this point. I don't. I just don't know. It seems like a lot of teams are gun-shy right now. Mm-hmm. And I just, I think, like I said, with his last two or three weeks, D'Angelo Russell's been playing like a guy who does not want to live in Atlanta right now mm-hmm. <laughs> or whatever team he'd get shipped to. Mm-hmm. And... And I think, you know, the Vander, to me, the Vanderbilt injury for them is more pressing than trying to get DeJounte Murray. You need some more, you know, but I don't know how you get that help. And I don't know if they want to give up, a, you know, a future first round pick for Dorian Finney Smith. And if you believe what you read, the Nets want what, how many picks for him? And I'm like, they come on now. Let's, like, come on now. Come on. Let's chill. Let's not be ridiculous. I think some of these, and you, you dealt with this a lot. Um, but, but but with the athletic, with the Sacramento Bee, like how full of crap are general managers and and those in the front office around this time? I uh, you don't believe a word they tell you. I mean, at this point of the year, when they start calling you to tell you what they've heard, just know there's an agenda behind it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you just know, and it's part of the game that you have to play in the business. But you know they. This the time. This is the time of the year. Where I don't believe anything anybody tells me. I don't believe agents. I don't believe players. I don't believe GMs. Everyone's trying to, you know, fish for information, and sometimes that means a GM 
or an agent makes a call to a reporter and says, hey, I heard this. What did you hear? And then you put that out there, which then generates some more discussion. And it, it, it's a it's an ongoing cycle that every beat writer just dreads because you've got to, by nature of the job, chase everything. And nine times out of ten, you're chasing a you know rerunning to a to a brick wall. There's nothing there. So I just don't see a lot. I mean, just because I don't see a lot of activity, which of course means you know between now and Thursday there'll be like fifteen trades, but. <laughs> Yeah, I no. think Siak- Siakam Siakam was the big piece. I think. Yep. I think Siakam was the big was the big piece, and usually every year is that one guy. You know, I mean, people talk about Clay Thompson, but who's going to take on that contract for what Clay has been now? You know, like I said, Dejounte is intriguing, but you know, what are you willing to give up for Dejounte Murray? Mm-hmm. So I just think that I mean, to me, it's a whole lot of chatter right now. I just don't see a lot that makes sense for a lot of people right now, but. Like whenever you think there's nothing going to happen, something to happen. Like who who had who had KD getting traded last year? Yeah, Dejounte and the Lakers too was the one that like I just I, I feel like I've watched a decent amount of Lakers games and I've never felt like you know who will change this Dejounte Murray. Now not that Dejounte Murray's not a super capable scorer, but I always try to look at it through the prism of yeah you're on a team with LeBron James and Anthony Davis though. Right. Like what do you, I mean? It takes a special kind of guy to be that third guy with LeBron, mm-hmm. you know, right. and I don't know if a, 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 a point guard who has to have the ball. <laughs> I mean, didn't we see this movie with Russell Westbrook? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if that's exactly what they need. I mean, I know what drives people in L.A. crazy. What they need is. They need some wing def- defenders. They need Gabe. I mean, I mean, not that Gabe Vince is going to save the season, but they sorely need a point of attack defensive point guard. They sorely need one more guy like that. I mean, they miss right now. They miss Dennis Schroeder. You know, but I think I just don't see. I you know I think especially Laker fans and Laker media will get enthralled with a guy I'm like you got to get that. Remember two years ago, Buddy Hilt was the was that was the, the one other problem. If you just get Buddy healed, you just got to get, you know. So, I mean, there's always some guy that they're always chasing or putting up there is. You get that one guy that's going to fix everything. And usually that one guy doesn't end up in, in L.A. So, I'm just curious to see what actually happens by Thursday. You know what I just thought of me? You know, Buddy's still on an expiring contract. <laughs> hey, it could happen. Shavano and the Lakers at long last. Yeah, who knows? Like I said, I, I I believe nothing I hear, and I'll believe it when I see it. So, I mean, but, you know, you look at the West still, that bottom six, you know, from like six on down, that's what, about three, four games separating them? You know, one of those teams goes on a run, somebody goes on a four or five game losing streak, things look a lot different. So, I say let this whole thing play out, let people complain about the 65-game rule and all that, and then we'll just see what happens in June. Do you think that rule changes? No. I don't, I don't understand why having a guy play more than two-thirds of the season <laughs> should be required. I know everyone is using the Embiid example, but we're talking about a guy who gets hurt a lot. Yeah. I don't think Joel Embiid got hurt because he knew he was if he didn't play 65 games. I mean, Joel and B gets hurt, and to you know, and then you got guys saying, "Well, what did Raymond say? He lost a, an award because Kawhi only played fifty games." And yeah. like that's, that didn't happen. There was no truth and, to that whatsoever. Yeah, 
And generally, mo- I mean, having been a voter multiple times, I've never just voted for a guy who played for like, like last year. I left LeBron at 80 off my all NBA teams and LeBron still made. I didn't put him on. I said LeBron played 40 something games. Mm-hmm. Can't put you can't put, you know, him ahead of a guy who played who, who, who you know, was available. You know, two thirds, three fourths of the season. I think in a lot. Of, and, and for me, the players, I'd be mad at their union. They agreed to this the same way they agreed to allow their contracts to be tied to awards that the media votes on. Mm-hmm. Maybe your union shouldn't put your tie your money up to what I think about you as a player. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Jet, and, and, and I think that was a lot of people's frustration with the all-star snubs too, like DeMontis Sabonis. And I know in the grand scheme of things, this is chump change for guys who signed, you know, $220 million contracts, but he did miss out on $2 million or it was like mm-hmm. 1.3, I think for not making the all-star team. Um, and yeah. And as a member of the media, I do not want the responsibility of costing somebody their money. Right. Like even remember a couple of years ago, if clay makes third, all it makes all NBA, he gets this much. That should not be the media's responsibility to dictate how much that guy makes. I think I've always viewed those rules as more as controls for ownership and and front offices can't control their own spending. Mm -hmm. They can just say, well, I can't help it. You know, Hey, this is the rule. Like De'Aaron Fox is a super max player. I don't think that we need a rule <laughs> to tell the Kings that he's a super max player. Right. But if, for example, a team wants to make, I don't know, if you want to make Andrew Wiggins a super max player, that's on you. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't think we need a rule to control that, but it is what it is. And, you know, I think let no last summer, uh, Jalen Brown sent a note to all of us who voted for him because thanks to our votes, he got a much larger contract. Right. And I didn't I didn't vote going, you know what? I want to make sure Jalen Brown gets paid. Mm-hmm. But that's the world we live in now. And there, there may be a guy who a team might value as this. Like if you're if you're Denver, you get lucky because Jamal Murray's not an all-star again. And he's you know likely not an all-NBA player. He's a supermax player to them, mm-hmm. but by the rules, he's not. So you end up saving some money because of the rule. And that's the important part about the De'Aaron Fox conversation is because De'Aaron does need another All-NBA nod for his next contract negotiation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and, know, I, yeah, and and it sucks that it's gonna, it could come down to whether or not someone puts Trey Young ahead of him on All-NBA yeah. or, or if someone puts De- – like, like I had I – had, like when I looked at the All-Star team, I thought it would be tough for Sabonis to make it, but I had De'Aaron in the spot that ended up being Devin Booker. See, that was the thing. We always thought, we thought leading in, just because there was no buzz around Sacramento, they even though they had virtually the same record, they were, I think, five at the time versus three where they were last year at the at the at the All Star break. And we're thought they're probably not gonna acknowledge them both. And I think we might be at the point where they recognize the Aaron Fox as a star. There was no scenario where we thought neither one of them would make the all star team. Yeah. I thought Book missed too much time this season. I thought he missed a good chunk of time, and that would go against him. But what do I know? <laughs> well, we got to get Carl Anthony Towns in there because you know they have the top team in the conference, and apparently that's really important to selecting all stars now. Yeah, but the funny thing about it now, it's like isn't OKC number one right now? Yeah, they're tied so for got, number one. Yeah, they're both yeah, they've got one. Yeah, I mean, it's like it's not baseball. No one's required to have a guy. You, you don't get every team, but I just. 
I really thought that De'Aaron would get the. I, I didn't think they would take Book over De'Aaron, but maybe Book has reached that point where as long as he's walking and he's not injured, he gets to be on the team. Well, and salute, he deserves it. That's what Steph got. Steph, yeah. Steph isn't having a better season than De'Aaron Fox is, but he's Steph Curry, so he got he yeah. got he got that respect. Yeah, and that's part. I mean, that, that's part of it. It's like it's a merit thing, but it's also a star thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so it, it's a it's a it's a two it's a two it's a, you know either way it's a it's a popularity thing which it's a, you know you know which which maybe doesn't help Sacramento but I always laugh when I see these player votes <laughs> like I mean everyone trashes the media or whatever like some of these player votes are what didn't Giannis's brother get like three ja- or four Javale McGee got a couple of votes in there I mean there's guys out there who I mean. It, it's hard for me. It's hard to, to to dump on the media and the fans for not taking it seriously when you got Giannis's brother getting votes. Yeah. Or what was it? One year, someone didn't vote for LeBron or Katie. <laughs> it was just like, okay, you just don't, you know. And that's what kind of my theory was with Trey Young. It was like maybe guys just don't like Trey. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it could be, could be. Do you think that the Jesse brought this up earlier? I thought this was an interesting question. We're talking about the trade deadline. Do you think the Rudy Gobert deal in Minnesota like broke trades, like it kind of yeah. messed them up. <laughs> yeah, it really did because everyone said, "Why are you giving up all of that for Rudy Gobert?" And then now that's kind of the standard. It's like, oh, I want four first round yeah. picks. I want yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It completely shifted everything because now you know, no shade to Rudy, but it's like people are like, "Come on, you got that much for Rudy Gobert?" How you know how much can I get for Pascal Siakam or whoever the case? You know, I don't blame Atlanta for saying I want a ton for Dejounte Murray. I don't, you know, but hey, it's you know just because they did it doesn't mean everyone else has to do it. But <laughs> I do think that really did reset things in a lot of people's eyes because it's like, wow, you got that much for Rudy Gobert. Instead of saying maybe Minnesota just really wanted Rudy Gobert, it's become well, right? You know, <laughs> and and that's how I looked at it. Like Minnesota, for whatever reason, saw Rudy Gobert as the ultimate difference maker for him. And we use the example of Alex Caruso. Not trying to shade him at all. I just need a general manager because they're talking about two picks at minimum for Alex Caruso. I'm like, yeah, and I'm I gonna- love Car- and I love Caruso. But come on, what are we talking about now? Like I said. Two and three picks for Caruso for Dorian. Finney, Come on, yeah. what are we, what are we doing here? I mean, it's it's just getting it's getting asinine at this point. Yeah, I'm gonna need a general manager to stand at the podium and explain. No, we felt like the key for us going from six, seven, or eight to one or two was Alex Caruso. That's why we gave up such and such and two first round picks for him. There's yeah, no if, scenario if you, that exists. Yeah, if you believe that, do it. But come on now, don't convince. I mean, if you want that for Caruso, what did you want for DeRozan? Right. Yeah. Dude, what did you want for healthy Zach Levine? What did you want for Vucevic? If that's what you want for, I, I just think guys like you know, you know, defensive defensive guards, guys who can defend three and D guys. Are, I mean, they're valuable, but they're not three and four first round pick valuable. In my opinion, I think you can, you know, go to the draft and find guys like that. You can find guys who can help you in that without giving up, you know, you know, first round picks into 2031 just to make it happen. Has anyone general manager agent ever tried to call you this time of year and, and ask you to write something for them or report something yeah. for them? Yeah, it happens. 
well, how come you, you know, they'll, they'll tell you something. And if you don't write it, like, hey, man, I gave you something good. Why didn't you use them? Because like, it's not going to happen. And I'm not going to be an, be the idiot on TV or on the radio talking about this scenario that's never going to happen. You know, you, you, you get some of those. And, then, you know, because I always tell young journalists, when someone's telling you something, you have to sometimes ask, why are they telling me this? Yeah, you know, right. Yeah, yeah. Why, yeah. Why are you telling me this? Mm -hmm. Like, you don't call me. Why are you calling me with this? You know, and, and sometimes it's just, you know, and sometimes, like I said, they're fishing for info, too. A lot of times it's just an exchange of information. Mm -hmm. There's things the GM will tell a reporter they won't tell another agent or, a G, you know, and then a lot of times you become like this facilitator of information and you're going back and forth and you're talking to this person and that person. And then you're talking to that person's agent or the friend of the agent or the friend of the friend of the agent who happens to hang out with them every now and then on Fridays. I mean, it, this thing gets so convoluted by the, by this time of year, you, you just always want it to be over. I uh, apologies to those on radio Odyssey HD, all of that stuff. It's been bugging me. I've been trying to figure it out. What is on your shirt? Oh, this is the Snoop Dogg WrestleMania shirt from last year. Oh, it's Snoop. I kept looking at it like it's it's a wrestling shirt. It's the the yeah, character's this, black. This, this this is the dog with the with yeah. I was I was like, is this a beard? Do they not have eyes? Like who? Like is it Kofi? <laughs> like what the hell is that? Snoop. Okay, it was dry. We're we're twenty minutes into this. This was driving me like, crazy. Like, what the hell is on his chest? I like, didn't even know. I didn't even know Snoop had a WrestleMania shirt from yeah uh, the the immortal moment where Shane McMahon blew out his quads. That family in quads will. Well, yeah that that, that well, family's it, it, canceled. Let's. Yeah, let, well, so certain members of the family are. Let's get to what's important. This is what everyone's here for. Polo L says, where does Jason stand on We Want Cody? Oh, man, that's a tough one. I want Cody to finish the story. Mm -hmm. And I don't understand how we got to where we are right now. <laughs> but I'm I, I'm willing to let it play out. See? I just think I, I'm willing to let it play out. I'm You're like, with me. I don't, I don't know how we got... Because when The Rock did the whole head of the table thing back in January, and then you just never heard The Rock again, I was like, okay, that was kind of weird. Why would mm -hmm. he say that and then like never come back? But then I think the, the Punk injury threw things off. Mm -hmm. But even then, Punk was going to go against – Cody was still this wild card. Yeah. Because that's what it was supposed to be, Punk and Rollins. And I just I, – I mean, to have Cody win the Rumble pointed, pointed Roman – and then be like, okay, Rock, you can have it. Yeah, that's the, that's where you miss me. Is there's there's no logical reason for Cody not to do this. And yeah, I mean, you got like I think I'd even put uh, if, if it's still called Twitter or X or whatever it's called. I have said it, it, unless you're going to have the Rock come in, basically, I'm on the board of directors. I do what I want and have the Rock play the heel. I can see that, but then I think Roman's going to get. Roman's going to be the face in this match. Roman's going to get cheered. He might, yeah. I yeah. mean, I haven't heard, we haven't heard Rocky sucks since, what, the 90s? Yeah, we heard it last night. And, yeah, I was just like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm really surprised that, you know, people are coming at him like that. The Rock's I, usually I, more, like, aware 
Like they, they, I, th- I feel like they misjudged the Rock. Remember the Rock's ill-fated appearance in Philadelphia for that? Mm-hmm. Was it the Royal Rumble that Roman won? And the Rock yeah. is there, and he's got his hand up in the air, and the crowd is just letting them have it because they didn't want Roman. Right. They didn't want yeah, babyface think- Roman. Yeah, and I think that yeah, this is. I mean, and it's just crazy because that promo Roman Roman cut was excellent on Friday. I mean, he just pretty much dumped all over Seth Rollins, his title and his whole career and his bank account. And here comes Cody like, uh, yeah, I, I don't want none of that. I'm going to go over here and we're still not going to actually get, say the match is happening. And it's it, it's I don't know. I mean, I'm going to let it play out. The, I'm just gonna let it play out, see what happens. The do you want Seth Rollins money or do you want tribal chief money? That line was tremendous. But I actually <laughs> hated the promo because I was like, what's the point in trashing the other title? Like that doesn't I just don't think that accomplishes anything. Like he completely and the problem with him trashing it is it was all accurate when he said yeah. That title is for all of the guys who couldn't beat me. There, there's like it is one hundred percent accurate, and it made you think like, yeah, that is the trash title. Yeah, and then it's like now you're going to have Cody go for the trash title. Yeah, I'm like, I'm like, like I don't understand how we're getting here, and I just have a feeling that even if Cody wins, Damian Priest will cash in, and then Cody will be champion for like. Two minutes. Oh my God. And, and then it'll be more hard times for Cody for the rest of the year. That <laughs> like now they're just doing now they're just doing random stuff. Like, why do we have another Shinsuke Nakamura match out of the blue? <laughs> like, why? I don't know if it's almost they don't know what they're doing with him, but like I said, I'm gonna let it play out, see what happens. Like I said, for all the people who don't want the rock there, they're all gonna watch. Mm. They're not gonna boycott because the rock is there. And I think yeah, I just but- think it's more timing thing because i think everyone wanted to see the tribal chief match but i think they probably underestimated how much people like cody like when i was in la last year for mania i was like oh my god they're really with cody like Mm -hmm. there was if if cody a star a superstar that place was i mean that place was livid when cody lost so i mean i I think I, i think cody gets the belt eventually it just won't happen in mania May not happen. I mean, I don't know what you do, but I'm going to let it play out and see what happens. If you were, if you were having this match with the Rock and Roman, you probably should have done something crazy, where Cody got the hell beat out of him before or during the Royal Rumble, gets tossed, and I'm talking gets tossed at like man, like ten, eleven, or twelve, and then twenty eight, twenty nine rolls around. If you smell what the rock is cooking is hit hits. And I think the perception of what's happening is completely different. Yeah, I think, I, yeah, I was like, I was thinking, in, you know, not to be hateful, but you take our truth out the rumble and put the rock in there. You know, you take yeah. somebody out. Yeah. Just, I mean, well, not our truth. You, you got to have our truth in there. He's a, probably that, right. Yeah. That hot tag moment was that, that might've been the best moment of the Royal rumble where he was trying to make yeah. the hot tag. Yeah, between that and he hears twenty four and he comes out. That guy's a legend. For the women's I'm, Royal Rumble. That yeah, yeah, yeah. He hasn't aged like in twenty five years either. I still yeah, think my cool. favorite one is when he took the ladder into the Royal Rumble and tried to climb because he thought it was like a Money in the Bank ladder match. 
but it was the Royal Rumble. That's one of my that's one of my favorite. Yeah, he's yeah, he's yeah. I, I retract what I said. Keep our truth in. But I'm like you. I just think, mate. Yeah, if you had the Rock come in and win the Rumble, okay. But for him just like, hey, I'm here. I'm going you know, and for whatever he said to Cody on that night, it was like I don't. Mm-hmm. I, I I just said it. It's I don't know what's going on, but. I'm going to be watching tonight. I'll be watching Friday, and I'll be watching all the way till Mania. So that's, hey. that's it. I'll be watching Thursday at this press conference they're having in Las Vegas. I think it's hilarious they're having the WrestleMania press conference, which is in Philadelphia, in Las Vegas during Super Bowl week. I don't know who scheduled that or planned that. That's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. And then they're charging fans if they want to come to the press conference. Okay. I'm just like. You're really going to pay five hundred dollars to sit at a press conference? Is oh, that how yeah. much the tickets are? I think I saw one that was like there was like there's like a VIP and there's like a regular oh. one. Like, one of them you get to sit up front at the press conference and you get like a cocktail party afterwards with some WWE superstars. Or whatever. Yeah, unless that WWE superstar is named Dwayne, I'll take a hard pass on that. I'll just watch on TV. That's yeah, insane. I, yeah. But I mean, if you you know, I guess you know, considering how much Super Bowl tickets are, maybe people got the bargain. Well, it's only five hundred to meet. You know, probably have Cody do that as well. Who knows? Make Cody do everything. He's the new Miz. You just got to make all the appearances. <laughs> um. Well, speaking of Vegas, who you got this weekend? Are 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 you invested at all in what's happening uh, in your home I'm, team stadium? I, I I'm not invested per se, but. I have a problem going. I, I like I said before, it's hard to bet against Mahomes, and I don't like the way the Niners' defense has looked in the playoffs. Mm. I just don't like the way their defense has looked. I mean, I think if they played a competent quarterback against, if, if Jordan Love doesn't just, I don't know what the hell he was doing. You know, didn't Green Bay like go to the fourth quarter without punting? Yeah, or something great. Yeah. I mean have not liked the way their defenses is looking. I think when they lost that, they lost their safety to, to the ACL. I don't think people are talking about what that did to them enough. You know, and I think I just, it's hard for me to go get to, to say Mahomes is going to lose a big game unless like it was against Tampa. His whole old line is decimated, mm-hmm. you know, and even though that the, the, the one tackle, the Taylor gets a penalty every time he steps on, you know, every series, you know, I think that, I think, you know, you know, if if the the trend continues where Bosa doesn't get holding calls, <laughs> I mean Taylor might have a chance. And I just it's hard for me to go against Mahomes. I mean, I thought I thought the Ravens would get him, and he came and boom boom Kelsey touchdown. We're going to set the tent. You know, Pacheco's running the ball well. The Niners have been getting gashed by guys like we're getting they're getting gashed. You know by Detroit and I mean they won the game but let's not forget it took one of the weirdest bounces off the head of a defender and mm-hmm. yeah and it, yeah I it's hard for me to go against Mahomes. I know the Niners are the favorite the Niners have a a talented defense but I don't like the way they've looked the last two or three games I've seen them play I just uh, I don't you know I don't I, I don't know if it's the you know the injury in the secondary what it is but they've been getting I mean they've gotten gashed at times lately the there's so much talk about the 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 Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes and that you know offense and how you know Tyreek Hill is gone and they've lost different components to that offense and I think a lot of people slept on until very late in the season that this might be the best defense he's had uh, since mm-hmm. his time as the Kansas City starter. Um, with all that said, though, I really I, I, I'm calling Christian McCaffrey as my wild card, and I think if he has a couple of those 
couple of those plays. I think the 49ers might get this one. If the, I think the Niners have to get up early. I gotcha. think they got to get up early because if they get up early, they can they can go at that run defense. Well, it certainly Chief. doesn't seem like they could do what they get against Detroit or Green Bay. <laughs> oh, they do that. It's over. It's over. They they fall behind 10, 14, nothing. You know, now you've got to pass. And like I said, the Chiefs, the, 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 the area the Chiefs have been vulnerable to a lot of teams has been their run defense. Mm-hmm. And if you're down 14, nothing in the first half, you might have to abandon the run a little bit. And then, you know, and I think that plays into what Kansas City would want because Kansas City's got a their second their defense is really good. So I think I think if it's a if the Niners fall behind, they I don't think they'll be as lucky as they were against Green Bay or Detroit. Yeah. I just don't I can't you can't spot Patrick Mahomes 14 points <laughs> and then yeah. say, okay, well we we'll just rally now. No, you, you can't do that. They gotta keep it close. Because you got to keep McCaffrey a factor in the run and the pass, and I guess you know, and then because I I also believe that you don't want to expose Purdy to that pass rush. Mm-hmm. They I, I think that you know you know Spagnola gets to you know dialing up those crazy things he dials up. I don't think you want to expose him to that. So I think you got to they can run the ball, they can win the game, but I also don't like the fact that. To me, it seems like whenever the, the running the run is working, Shanahan goes, you know what? But I got this one play in the back I wanted to try. So let's go ahead and go to these four pass plays that I want to really run <laughs> for no reason at all. Yeah. Hell, if he ran the ball a few years ago, they they win a Super Bowl. Oh, will you stop blaming him for that? Okay, I'm sorry. I won't blame the head coach who also blew a 28-3 lead as a coordinator. That, that was a shot. That was I'm sorry. I, I, I apologize. Uh, I, I will not let my Raider affinity influence how I feel about the Shanahan family. I think Shanahan's a good coach. You talk about uh, uh, you talk about uh, spotting Patrick Mahomes. You talk about coaches. You talk about spotting Patrick Mahomes fourteen points. I don't think you can spot Andy Reid fourteen points either. No. Like Andy, no, Andy I, Reed yeah, this, part. yeah. You know, it's. It, it, I think it's going to be a good game. I think it's going to be fun. You know, it's. You know, if the Niners can get over their aversion to soft grass or whatever they're complaining about, you know, the grass, whatever, the grass is too soft. Okay, now your 49ers hate's coming out. Now now, now we'll let you go. Jason's, Jason's, <laughs> Jason's 49ers hate is starting to show, so we'll, we'll let him I'm go. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> soft grass is an important factor this week. You know, if the Niners lose, we'll hear about the grass was too soft in UNLV. Damn soft grass. Jay, we appreciate you as always. Thank you, my man. All right. See you next week when I'll have them. I ain't going to lie and say it. I ain't going to have no Mahomes jersey. I'm just kidding. Okay. <laughs> <All right. laughs> I can't even lie. I can't even lie like that, y'all. Yeah, I got you. You can't wear a division <laughs> yeah. rival. I see you. Just show up yeah. with a Raiders jersey. It'll work the same. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, either way, I'm I'm all about the offseason. There it <laughs> so. is. There it is. All right, y'all. Take it easy. We appreciate you. That's our man Jason Jones right there of The Athletic. Go check out all of his fantastic work as always. Uh, I think I think he wrote a fun piece recently about the top Super Bowl touchdown celebrations of all time. I was looking at that one uh, this morning, and he's got some great stuff over there that you can check out. I'm still leaning towards 49ers, but the funny thing is, since this matchup's been set, that was my first thought. My first thought was San Francisco, and I'm going Christian McCaffrey. I keep waiting to change my mind. I keep thinking I'm going to change my mind and go with Patrick Mahomes because – I realize I, I mean, he can't pit against Patrick Mahomes in a big game. And I realized, like, I think I picked the Bills to beat Patrick Mahomes, which I hated. Like, I hated myself for that. I didn't even like the Bills entering the season. 
That's why I hate all of this stuff. That's why I don't pick games. When everyone says, hey, what's the game? What's the score, bro? I don't care. I'm sitting down to watch. What am I going to do? Pick the game and pick the exact score? No one cares. Pick the game, pick it wrong. No one cares. That stuff drives me crazy. I was so mad at myself. I was, the show ended. We're doing the KSFM show. I was like, did I pick the Bills? I picked the Bills. What the hell? Did I? I didn't even like the Bills entering the season, but I picked them to beat the Chiefs. That was dumb. I like Patrick Mahomes. I have a tremendous amount of respect for Patrick Mahomes. But more so, I like Andy Reid. But I don't know. There's just something where it feels like it's also that certain. It's right now. Like the it's right now for San Francisco. Not that Kansas City hasn't been working all year towards this. Yeah, they've been working all year towards this since the last time they won it. And not that there's no sense of urgency when you're trying to win another Super Bowl, but, man, this feels different for San Francisco. Uh, and that's the direction I'm going to lean. What are we doing? Are we running it back? We're going to run it back next here uh, on ESPN 1320. You can head over to 1025. I'll put out all the fires that are going on over there. We've got a lot of stuff that we're giving away, including uh, Rolling Loud brought to you by Jiffy Lube. We're sending you to Rolling Loud. You can head over. We're going to do that in the 4 o'clock hour. we got tickets to a night for lovers as well. That's taking place March 1st at the Sacramento Memorial Auditorium. That's all coming up over there on 1025. we got more Kings coverage next here on Sacramento Sports Leader, ESPN 1320. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 